on episode 81 of Pixel Gaiden. We talk desert island systems. Tim loads a bunch of cassettes. We get a little fama crazy. It's time for Tim to open a box of goodies. Battle of the 8-Bit RC Racers. We talk about a lot of newer titles. A lot about driving games. Six good chibi style games. And Tim serves up a game show. Welcome to the second episode for the month of April of Pixel Guide In. My name is Cody Hoffman. My name is Eric Nelson, and we're on episode number 81. 81? That's incredible. Think about right? that. Think about that. I've thought about it 80 times. <laughs> this is the 81st time. <laughs> and uh, and uh, there was one special episode in there, which we didn't number, I think. but That's right. Uh, we never got back to our, our MSX episode, by the way. <laughs> no, we didn't. I think we're just going to have to wait until next year. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do next year. We'll go back to back. Um, if you are here for retro video game and retro-inspired video game news and views and uh, beer and today, specifically whiskey, actually, um, you're in the right place, Eric. Fancy. Um, coming up on this episode, we are going to have uh, Tim join us, which unfortunately he didn't join us for the last episode at all. So he's going to join us to do a tea time with Tim, as well as join us for uh, almost all of our other segments, including our game show. Yes. Catching up. And our battle of the systems, Eric, which can you uh, pontificate upon that? Absolutely. So we are battling two RC racers, remote control racing simulators. I don't know. Simulator, something like that. More arcadey, I guess. But um, so it's RC Pro-Am on the Nintendo Entertainment System and RC Grand Prix on the Sega Master System. Grand Prix. So, you know, the funny, I heard another podcast with a British... uh, guys you know hosting the podcast and they mentioned a game called grand prix but they said the guy pronounced it grand pricks oh let's see how tim does it yeah and i want to know because (laughs) the guy just didn't know how to do it which is fine but he did he not know how to pronounce it or is that the way they pronounce it you never know yeah yeah it's grand prix here it always has been for me at least i think what we do later in the show is we have tim announce the battle Yes, and then, exactly. and then whatever he goes with, we do the opposite and pretend like he's wrong the whole time, regardless of if he's right or wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to use the Zevious pronunciation. I'm going to call it Grizz. Grand, Grand Prix. No, Grizz. Why did I say Grizz? <laughs> I think I was saying Grizzly. Uh, pri- I'm going to say Grand Priz. Good gracious. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That about finishes up uh, what we're going to touch base on this episode. However, I do uh, have to mention that during catching up, uh, Eric, you should have a package around there from 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 uh, a certain large online retailer. I absolutely do. It's right here. And Tim's going to have one here shortly. 
Yes, yes. So we will let those get opened as well, live to tape here on Pixel Guide In. Uh, but before we do that, we'd like to start everything with quick questions. Quick questions! All right. And our quick questions uh, came from our Patreon uh, Discord server, right, Eric? Absolutely. And uh, let me start off with the first one here, which I found very interesting because we had a very similar question a few months back. But this one does put some constraints on it, which makes the question quite interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's from Paul, a.k.a. Hermsky, and he asks, what would be your desert island system and its three games you would take with you, assuming electricity would be available for your island? <laughs> so what what because we've asked this question many times what system would you take and i think i picked the c64 because of all the, the the breadth of the library um but if you could only take three games and a system what would it be cody what would it be i always have a problem being way too literal with these things mm-hmm. <laughs> so he even he even you know, added the assuming electricity would be available all right mm-hmm. so there's no wi-fi available let's keep that in mind then because we're electricity okay. but it's an island right sure Unless yep. we're talking about, like, one of the Florida Keys, then you probably have wire, Wi-Fi. Anyways, yeah. the point being, <laughs> I'm going to stop being lame and giving the the answer I want to give, which would be something like, you know, a, a modern PlayStation 4 with three very large games that would take a long time to complete because I'm on the desert island. Um, I would want to pick something probably where I don't just shoot people all the time because I'm, if I'm stuck on a desert island... The only human interaction I'll have is with the fake uh, <laughs> fake characters in my video game. So probably don't right, want to go right. around shooting them all. That'd be kind of uh, counter counter you know intuitive to what I'm trying to achieve on this island. I think I'm just going to go and say the the, one, the only thing that pops into my head is it kind of the question to me kind of becomes which one system has three games that you really enjoy and can play a lot. Yeah. I'm going to go with Super Nintendo. And I'm going to go with... Super. I'm going to have to go with Super Mario World. That game is great. It has a lot of gameplay, and you can play it over and over again and do it in different ways and find secrets and all that stuff. I will go with... Mm. Super Metroid. That's a great game. And part of me wants to go with you know what I would I know what is there there's no golf game on the Super Nintendo. Isn't there a Kirby, love, that Kirby one? Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> I yeah. wish there was a golf game. I love I love I love golf games. Anyways, I'm just gonna pick one more real quick. I'll say uh I wanna pick a Mega Man, but Mega Man X is you know, it's kind of short. Uh, let's go with I'll just go with Legend of Zelda because there's a lot of gameplay and it's kind of different than the other two I picked. So there we go. Super Nintendo, Legend of Zelda, uh, what is that, Link Between Worlds? Yeah. And uh, Super Mario World and Super Metroid. Done. Yeah. And I'm just going to put the assumption that this is supposed to be a retro machine because honestly, I'd probably take like an Xbox One or something like the Xbox One I haven't played Far Cry 5 over and over again or... Something like that, but I'm going to assume retro here. So I'm going to say um, I, the the honest thing, the first thing that came to my mind was was the Super Nintendo. 
to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And I think I would pick an RPG first. I'd probably pick Chrono Trigger because I never beat that. It's a good and one. That's a lot of that's a lot of gameplay there. Um, I would pick Street Fighter Two because that was one of my favorite, absolute favorites on the system. Even with no one to play with, play it with. Like yeah. if you yeah. didn't say oh. that, but exactly. But I, I, it's just it holds a lot for me, and I love fighting games. It's one of my favorite games, so I'd I'd pick that. And then the third one, I think I'm gonna jump on the bandwagon and do Super Metroid because I haven't beat that one yet either. So there we go, Super See, Metroid. So I do that. Yep, we got some pat to go there. You know, what? I have a. That, so that was Paul Hermsky's uh, question. We have one more coming up here from Pajaco, but I'm going to interject my own quick question I just thought of right now, Eric. Okay, okay. It's it's very similar. All right. What would be your Desert Island system and its three games you'd want to take with you, assuming there is no electricity on the island, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. It's going to be the, that play date with the hand crank, because hopefully that can generate power in some, in some way. Hey. That's not a bad. That's not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like look at my the, the actual hardware and be like what which one of these would be the most fun on the it's going to be a handheld so I could use it like a ball I guess and like throw it around I don't know <laughs> yeah anyways um, all right or maybe a, maybe a Magnavox uh, Odyssey because they have the handles on some of the yeah. games yeah and that I feel like that could actually be useful for something like you can yeah tape tape that to a stick and make a weapon out of it or something. Exactly. I was thinking which one would be my heaviest one so I could crack open coconuts on my desert island. Or, or yeah, kill a pig. <laughs> exactly. For, for sustenance. You went dark. <laughs> I'll read the next one here, which is from Pajocto, Pajocto, Pajocko 6502. Uh, he says, RMC, which is Retro Man Cave, did a great interview with a guy who has almost every version of Rise of the Robots, which is a game. Uh, is there a game, good or bad, you would love to have every version of? I've seen a lot of this lately where you, yeah, people on Twitter are like, I, you know, I've got the, the European version and the Japanese version, and then there's this weird third-party version, and then there's this version that came in this box, and then there's a special edition that came in this box. What do you think, yeah, Eric? I, I don't, and I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. Like, I, I just want the game to play it. So, if it's multiple versions, different boxes, I, I'm not really into that. But I think I'm going to go with this answer. I've never been, and this is this is a hot take. This is hot, Eric, take, hot take. Hot take. I've never been a giant fan of Mario games. Like, they're okay. You know, I, I they're probably a solid seven out of ten for me in general. But that kind of all changed when I played. Um, the the um what, Yoshi's Island recently okay. when I played that which is a Mario game I guess yeah it's not is a traditional not really? Mario game but it's a Mario game yeah, yeah. and uh, I played Super Mario three mm-hmm. and I played um, Odyssey which is the one that really changed my mind about Mario games because I I did not like Mario three D games at all huh. um, okay. But I played Odyssey and loved every minute and beat the game before I even... It's like one of those games you beat and I realized it's over? Oh, man, I was all bummed out because it was over. I, I love that game. So I, I almost want to say that I think I'd go back and try to collect all the kind of mainstream Mario games from every system. You know? Okay. That kind of answers it, yeah. 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 So that's my answer. And so I'm going to be actually. It's funny we're we're going to match on this without meaning to. My my choice was going to be well. First of all, I don't really have an interest in collecting 
more than one version of any game, really. (laughs) Unless it's just like a cool artwork or some kind of cool packaging or something. But I was going to just say, you know, the original Mario, because it came out in a bunch of different ways. And it kind of came out when Nintendo was still new and trying things. So I think there's some cool versions out there. Um, I know Mario 2, for example, in Japan is on the Famicom disc system. I don't think Mario 1 is, but I have a, I have the Famicom version, which is, you know, looks different. I'll just say the, the original Mario. Just because what I basically have here, you know, uh, you know, is a, a more or less of a, a museum, right? <laughs> At this point, right. I'm kind of yep. building a little museum here. And it's a museum kind of honoring the systems and the, the history and what these the vibe of these systems rather than collecting every game for them. So I would I would have to choose something iconic that everyone would recognize and you'd be able to be like, oh, wow, yeah, you know, no one cares about, no offense, no one cares about multiple versions of Rise of the Robots unless you're personally very into that <laughs> game, you know? Right. But, but people can walk in here and see the original Mario in, you know, a hundred different versions and kind of be like, oh, wow, this kind of, I know what Mario is. Now I see what these other versions are and can ask questions about it because they relate to the, the game itself. Yeah. That's a lame, boring answer, but there's my answer. <laughs> I, I guess the, the the short answer is we're no you and me just really aren't that kind of collector <laughs> yeah i guess that is but yeah we had some fun from conversation there it works absolutely yep very cool cool all um, right well that's good questions yeah yeah and if you want to ask us some quick questions feel free to contact us or discord us if you're a patreon follower uh speaking of which let's let the people know how they can do such a thing You can get show information on our podcast at pixelguiden.com. You can also listen to our show on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos Podcast. You can reach us on Twitter using at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Eric at the project. That's at D-U-H-P-R-O-J-E-C-T. And you can reach Cody at Oddball, which is at ODDBA1149. You can also reach me, that's Tim, at Sanxion, and that's at S-A-N-X-I-O-N. Please review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcatchers that you use. It really helps us out. You can email us on podcast at pixelguiden.com and we love any feedback and also please let us know if we've done anything wrong and we'll mention it on the next show we also have a patreon account set up so if you wish to support the show financially you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden you can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows, such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on pixel guide and using our random adjective generator and this month we're heading to crazy cody's wild game emporia we've got all the hits you're looking for big ones small ones ones as big as your head down at crazy cody's wild game emporium 
We've got the painstaking Dustin Newell, the panoramic Matthew Ackerman, the spiky Daniel James, blue ones, red ones, purple ones, we got all the ones down at Crazy Cody's Wild Game Emporium. Looking for that hard-to-find title such as the stupendous Eric Sandgren, the mundane Dave DeVincent, or even the jazzy 10-minute Amiga Retrocast? We've got it! You want it! Crazy Cody's Wild Game Emporium! Perhaps you're looking for something a little different like the cooperative Roy Fielding, the hallowed Mr. Toast, or even the square Maciej Sosnowski. Well, you asked for it, we're bringing it to you at Crazy Cody's Wild Game Emporium! You want the body paradroid? We got it! The well-to-do Ramoke Ramoke? That's right, we've got that too! The tranquil Ant Stiller? The precious Mitsuyama? Bing! Bang! Boom! We've got it! Some say we shouldn't even be carrying things such as the abandoned Brian Arsenal or the colossal Paul Jacobson, but you know what? We don't care! Crazy Cody's Wild Game Emporium, we got your back! Perhaps you want some imports, the wicked Jason Holland, the ethereal Mark Scott, or the endurable Retro Gamer Nation. Well, guess what? The supply shortages aren't stopping us. We got them right here at Crazy Cody's Wild Game Emporium. And this week, this week only, we're having a super sale of epic proportions. That's right, the courageous Amy West, half off. The delinquent John Boat of Karshaller, we're flashing the prices. 45% off at Crazy Cody's Wild Game Emporium. Be there. Hey, guys. How about we take a little break and check with our friend over the pond? That's right, it's Tea Time with Tim. Hello and welcome to this month's Tea Time with Tim. First up, I wanted to apologise for not getting Tea Time with Tim ready for episode 80 in my usual first of the month slot. This past month has been a very busy and tough month for me with work and also I've been busy on things in my personal life. The month of March and early April have been really busy. Uh, I've had my wife's birthday and also I turned 50 and my wonderful wife planned a full weekend away. Now this actually tied in with the normal time I would uh, get ready and record tea time with Tim. So that's why it's delayed this month. So again, apologies for the delay. Anyway, let's do this. When times are hectic and I don't get to a chance to play an awful lot of uh, retro games, there's always one thing that gives me instant nostalgia and takes me to a calm and peaceful place where you have no choice but to sit and wait for something to happen. I'm of course talking about loading retro games from cassette. Now, I know a lot of you, especially in America, think that this is just a crazy waste of time and I can totally understand that. Why the heck would you want to sit for between two and five minutes waiting for a game to load and even then it won't actually load? Why not just go for the disc version or even the cartridge version? Okay, so let me explain. I have briefly touched a few times on this during catching up or if some of you are kind enough to follow me on Twitter, I from time to time put out images of myself loading games from cassette. This is because, for the most part, when myself and other fellow Brits back in the 80s were using 8-bit micros, we were more than often loading from cassette. This was mostly common on systems like the ZX Spectrum and Commodore 64. Also, the cheaper version of the Amstrad CPC, the 464, had a built-in tape drive. This was the most common way of loading, 
and the most economic, and giving the widest range of games for the cheapest possible price. This fact alone can be borne out from the sheer number of budget or low-cost price games that were available in the UK from publishers such as Codemasters, Mastertronics, Kicks, and Hit Squad. With games starting from £1.99p, you could almost get yourself a game every couple of weeks, with your pocket money. Full-price cassette games were also a fair bit cheaper. The average price for a full-price C64 game would have been around about £9, whereas the typical difference in price for the disc version would be £15. So, just that cost difference alone made it more attractive if you were nagging your parents for a new game. They were more likely going to want to spend under a tenner on a game than £15. That's almost the same as spending the equivalent of £50 these days for a game. Plus, you had to factor in that the cassette drives, for the most part, for the C64, at least were included in bundle packs when you bought the system. And for the Spectrum, the early versions like the 48Ks, you could use basic tape players with any earphone and microphone socket. Whereas over here, actually in the UK, the 1541 disk drive was constantly either a higher cost than the C64 itself or comparable to actually buying the system again. So as a rough calculation, you would have to forego purchasing almost 20 full price games or almost 100 budget games just for the entry cost of a 1541 disk drive. The Speccy had a similar issue, but was actually worse, because until Amstrad purchased Sinclair and produced the Speccy Plus 3, with the Plus 3 disk drive built in, the main mass quick storage option was the microdrive for the Spectrum. And this was actually a tape-based system anyway, and hardly any games or productivity software was actually released officially or commercially available on the microdrive. So for us in the UK, the justification of the loading time was that we could get so many more games for our system rather than wait for ages to save up for a disk drive and even pay the extra for the games to load slightly quicker and slightly more reliable. Now, because cassettes were the way we rolled in the UK, there was a downside for this, for the games industry at the time at least. While it was cheaper for the publishers, it was a very weak medium in terms of reliability, so return rates were higher than disc or cartridge, but also copying tapes was far easier, and this led to rife piracy of games on the 8-bit system. This can also be said of disc games, but swapping cassettes between your mates at school was rife, and you would often just have them for one night, copy them and give them back. Many people also used to pull the old it won't load on my computer governor routine at the local software store purchase the game take it home copy it and take it back either for a refund or to swap it for another game just to do the same with that as well to this end software companies started to develop more sophisticated loaders for games so they were harder to copy and quicker to load one thing this also did was to add extra additions as the loaders became more intelligent some of the more famous loading systems for the 8-bits are Speedlock for the ZX Spectrum and later ported to the Amstrad CPC. I believe this was first used on Daily Thompson's Decathlon and would be later be used by the likes of Ultimate Play the Game on titles like Alien 8, Underworld and Nightlaw. 
On the C64, there was Novaload, Pavload, Cyberload, and also the most famous of all loaders, the Ocean Loader, written by Paul, or Paulie Hughes. You can find his website at www.pauliehughes.com and follow him on Twitter at Paulie Hughes. Paul has very kindly released the Fastloader code under the title of Freeload. The complete source is available to download on his website, which we just mentioned. Over on Paul's website, he talks about how he first created the Fastloader and why. Here's a quick extract from the site. Paul writes, I wrote the first version of what would become the Freeload Mastering System in 1985, after tearing my hair out, waiting for code to load off tape. Or even worse, for a game to slowly trudge through into the C64's memory. Back in 1985, a game for the C64 could take anything up to 30 minutes to load, with nothing but a completely blank screen to stare at. At the end of the load, the screen would switch back on, and, in many cases, the C64 would just reset. This is something I would constantly feel the same pain as Paul on when first loading Commodore 64 games. Later on in tape load history, there would be developed loaders that actually loaded a mini-game to play whilst the game was loading. Paul also developed one of these to use at Ocean, but he writes... In 1985, I programmed simple versions of Breakout, Space Invaders, Centipede and Asteroids to pass the time whilst games loaded. Alas, for Ocean, this was a non-starter. By now, we were known as the company that bucked the trend and officially licensed intellectual properties. So having a knockoff version of Centipede on, say, an officially licensed Konami title wasn't deemed particularly ethical. We even mould the idea of licensing these mini-games, but in the return on investment would have been either non-existent or loss-making. Thanks again to Paul Hughes and the information on his website all about his loader. This idea was actually used by some other publishers. The most prolific was Mastertronic, who used Invader Load, written by Richard Applin. This was implemented on quite a few Mastertronic titles on the C64. It was a 8K in total Space Invaders type game, with music by Rob Hubbard taken from the game One Man and His Droid. It would take around a minute to load the game, and then the actual game would load after this. If you want to see this in action, you can grab yourself a copy or a tap file of Night Racer by Mastertronic on the C64 and load it up. This has Invader Load on it. If you want to, you can actually stop the tape and you can keep playing the game over and over if you wish. Many of the tape loaders on the C64 and other 8-bits would load up a title screen at first and then would load the game. This alone gave specific employment for graphic artists to famously create some amazing artwork. I would strongly recommend you look up some of these amazing examples of computer artwork. Again, going back to the ocean loaders, there are many fantastic examples of loading screen artwork for games like Whizball, Parallax and Rambo. I would also recommend checking out some of the amazing ZX Spectrum loading screen artwork by a gentleman named F. David Thorpe. The artwork on these are just amazing and using the ZX Spectrum colours that just pop out. Look for examples like Batman 
Head Over Heels, Mikey, Beachhead, and one of my personal favourites, the loading screen from Zaxxon on the Spectrum. Back over on the C64, the Cyberload system that was used by Thalamus would have some amazing artwork, like the game from my namesake, Sanxion. Speaking of Sanxion, we go to one of the most emotive and nostalgic things about loading games from cassette, and that is the loading music. Now, this is where I can really add some of that texture to this episode with some examples of the loading music that was around at the time on the C64. Some of you will know these tunes very well. Some of you may have listened to these Sid classics, but maybe not understand the history behind them. Just a brief bit of techie info. All of the uh, following Sid tunes were taken directly from my Commodore 64 and actually loading the games up on my C2N tape drive. So first up, let's take the aforementioned track, the loader music from the game Sanction on the C64. This was a seminal track created by none other than Rob Hubbard. go for one of the most iconic loading tracks the ocean loader music this is the first version there are five different revisions in total i believe this being the original composed by martin galway and was first used on hypersports by imagine this also had two loading tunes but we'll get to that one in a second first up here's the original ocean loader Now, this one's a bit of a combination. One of the loaders commonly used was called Novaload. It was a dis- it was distinctive 
and it had a quick title screen on the first part of the loader and played some random sounds as the next part of the loader loaded up. The Novaload would typically have a simple loader tune and also a counter, either counting down the time remaining or the blocks to load. They also had scrolling messages, often giving information about up-and-coming games. One such company that used to use the Novaload a lot was US Gold. Here is an example of the initial Novaload random sound and then the music on loading. You might want to turn this one just down a little bit because it is a bit high-pitched and screechy. And now, please be upstanding for the National Anthem. penultimate track I want to play is the music from the previously mentioned Invader Load. This was taken from the Mastertronic game One Mad and His Droid. Apparently Rob Hubbard, the creator of the music, was never actually paid for the inclusion of this music on the Invader Load. And lastly, to play us out on this episode of Tea Time with Tim, the glorious hypersports loading and in-game music composed by Martin Galway. This one gets me right in the feels and I often load up this game on tape just to listen to this incredible composition for the C64 of the Vangelis creation Chariots of Fire. So that's it for this episode of Tea Time with Tim. Thanks for joining me on this journey through cassette loading on the various systems. I hope this might have inspired you to check out some tape loading, to look at some of the fantastic artwork, and also maybe to listen to some more of the loading tunes yourself. Until the next one, thanks, bye.
All right, Tim, thank you for that amazing insight into the magic of cassette loading. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> Which we will actually listen to later because we have not heard it yet. But <laughs> yeah, I have not I'm listened sure to it, was... it yet, but uh, it sounds intriguing. I like the concept. <laughs> I hope it was just literally him saying, all right, I'm going to press play. And then he just <laughs> quiet until the game loads in a minute and 43 seconds later. And now it's working. <laughs> Let's try another one. <laughs> um. Eric, I think we have some errata and some, uh, well, I would, normally I would say some beer to try, but I'm going to say some beverages to try. So how about you grab yourself a beverage? I will. Um, and I will dig into the small amount of errata that's happened since we recorded our last show about 10 days ago, honestly. Um, two things. And one of them's legit and one of them's just be- me being silly. So I'll start with a silly one. Guardian Heroes is the game I was mm-hmm. trying to talk about on the Saturn when Aaron asked us about good Saturn games. For some reason, I decided, decided to repeatedly call it Guardian Legend, which is a, another great game, but on the Nintendo. So it's okay. Guardian Heroes. Yes. Um, also, uh, we read a news item that apparently wasn't terribly accurate. So um, our buddy over at Retro Gamer Nation uh, corrected yeah. us, which I appreciate. We were talking about Rodman Jr. Plus, and we were a little uh, flummoxed because we're like, I swear that was in the last, you know, the 2020, I mean, I know it was in the 2021 Craptastic competition because we got to, uh, you know, to, to try out all the games and, and give our opinions and stuff on those. Um, so how was Rodman Jr. Plus? Uh, being entered in the new Craptastic 2022 competition, and it indeed was not. That was misinformation. It is simply a modern, uh, what do you call it, a modified, updated version of that original game from last year's, kind of like gotcha. we, we were thinking. So, Fake news! Fake, we are fake news. Fake news! You know what? Again, we never claim to be accurate as much as we yeah. hope to be somewhat entertaining. <laughs> Who wants to be accurate? Boring. So, Eric, what kind of a beverage you got there? So, I went uh, with the home team here. This uh, brew is made in San Francisco. It is from Anchor Brewing Company. You, I'm sure yes. you well know Anchor Brewing. I don't know that particular this one, one, though. The, this one is a porter mm-hmm. from Anchor Brewing. And it says, rich, refined, splendidly smooth from San Francisco. Um, it is... I can't even find the uh, ABV on it, so who who cares? <laughs> who cares? It's beer. Oh, 5.6. There you go. That's not bad. Um, but here it is, chocolatey and smooth. Perfect, perfect. So I'm going to get mine here. And you yeah, all, I want to hear what yours is. Well, you'll I'm hear, not a whiskey guy. First of all, so you're going to hear this. education here. Okay. Yes, oh. that was an ice cube. Now, there's going to be some listeners out here are going to tell me I'm doing this all wrong, and they hate me, and they think I don't know what I'm talking about, and... Uh, here's the thing. I do know what I'm talking about, and I choose not to do it because I don't prefer it that way. But I'm having myself a scotch. Okay. And um, if you read any w- internet website or book on scotch, they say, do not use ice. Scotch is made to be enjoyed room temperature or with a small splash of water to open it up. Well, guess what? I've tried it that way. I enjoy it that way. I prefer it with one cube of ice. So sue me. Perfect. Um, Good for you. Yeah, and it gives, you know, when the ice melts, it adds a little water to open it up, and now it's a little chilled. I like it. Uh, this yep. is a very simple, you'll find it at every grocery store, it is a Glenfiddich 
or Glenn Fittich, however you want to say that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, I recognize that bottle. Yeah, 12-year. It's a cool bottle. It's actually a really cool bottle. Green glass, and it's triangular, actually. I don't know if you've ever... Um, well, let me pour myself a dram here, and then... Uh, in fact, I'll just finish off the bottle. How about that? How about that? Yep, that's that's the way we do it. There you go. See the, that's see the, the triangle? That's the way we do it. It's a triangle. Yeah. And it fits well in the hand because it's a triangle. Uh, so anyways, I've had I've had this before. I'm not going to pretend I haven't. I wasn't able to go get drinks for me myself, but I'll review it tonight. So, Eric, cheers. Cheers. All right. What do you think about that porter? It's actually quite good. Quite good. Very uh, almost coffee flavor, a little chocolate. Uh, thick. You can tell it's very thick porter. Oh, yeah. Um Got a good mouthfeel. No, yep, this is fantastic. I mean, it is everything you would want in a porter for sure, and no bad, no bad aftertaste to it. So, um, what do you want to rate this at? How many fingers in the? Isn't that how you fill a a, whisk, a scotch glass? <laughs> Two fingers, three fingers. Oh yeah, that's how. Yeah, if you want a single or a double. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's say out of, you know, we're really drinking heavy. Let's talk about out of three, uh, three fingers of scotch. What are we giving okay. this? Um, I'm going to have to round down, even though I like this one. I'm giving mine two out of three fingers. Okay. Um. So this Glenfiddich, I'm going to call it Glenfiddich. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. Um, it is a very decent scotch. It's very effervescent, yeah. every effervescent Eric. Uh, yeah. It has none of the peatiness of... Uh, I do love peat in scotch, but this one doesn't have it, which is fine. Doesn't mean I don't like don't like this. It just doesn't have peat. It's um, medium bodied, I guess. Mm-hmm. Very clean, not oily at all. Yeah. And um, I don't know. It's very easy drinking. I'll put it that way. It's a good uh, good everyday scotch. So I will also give it two fingers out of three drams I, of scotch. Yeah. Someday we'll have to do some uh, scotch or whiskey tasting because I've never acquired a taste for it. But there is something off-putting to me, and maybe maybe it's Pete, maybe it's Joe. Who knows? <laughs> it's probably Bo- but, um, probably Bob. Probably Bob. But um, but maybe we can find one that I really like. Well, I think no. Uh, one of the first uh, one of the first episodes I want to say that can't have been the yeah. first ones. We you did I had you do uh, Lafroig, which is like the yeah. heaviest Pete Scotch. Like, that's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it purely to watch your reaction and laugh at it. Because if you're not used to Pete and, that, and you try that, you just go, what on earth am I drinking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tastes like earth and smoke. <laughs> exactly. Like mm. you're like you're drinking a tree. <laughs> exactly. That is it. Um, cool. Is there anything else we have to do before we have to dial into uh, Jolly London Town? I always want to say jo- Jolly Old England. How about that? There we go. Yep, I don't know if you want to talk about um, our favorite sponsor. Maybe we could do that. Hmm. Let me see. It could be. I, mean, I love NASCAR. Are they a sponsor? They're not a sponsor yet. I love. The, I love the it. Scotch. Is Glenn Fittick a sponsor? I don't think so. I know who it is, Eric. RetroRewind.ca forward slash Pixel Guide In. Correct. And he's been up to some very exciting things these days. Has he now? Um, all sorts of new stuff like that AV, that composite AV connector for the Commodore 64 that uh, we talked about. Um, but 
I'm really excited about the um, the Amiga accelerator that's coming out soon. Yeah, that you announced. Um, uh, you heard it here first on Pixel Guide N on our last episode, episode eighty. Yep, but Tenmark actually has one. He got a prototype, I think. Okay. And he posted a picture of it, and it looks awesome. I mean, it looks uh, – it's the real deal. So I'm really excited. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm probably going to pick one of those up for sure. Very um, cool. Another couple of – uh, Yeah. I was going to say ahead. a couple of other few items that are on the latest section on the front page of RetroRewind.ca are the <laughs> Commodore yeah. 64 AV adapter that goes in the back of your Commodore 64 um, video output and breaks everything out to – uh, everything you could want, including as a video, which I think is extremely useful. Yes. Um, he's also got the Amiga 1000 RGB to HDMI adapter. So if you want to connect your original Amiga 1000 to an HDMI monitor, you can do that. Uh, Commodore 64 and Amiga Genesis joypad adapter is pretty cool. Um, now, do you remember I have one of these, but it's not the Retro Rewind one, but I, I don't even know if I can find it. <laughs> it's one of those little things that gets lost pretty easy, but... Um, it, it allows you to play, uh, your Commodore 64 with a uh, Genesis. So you don't blow out your, blow your chips out yeah. in your Commodore 64. That's a fun tip from RetroRewind.ca. If you do not use the RetroRewind.ca joypad adapter and you plug your Genesis joypad into your Commodore 64 and use it, it will work wonderfully until you hit the wrong combination of buttons and keys at the same time and you blow up your Commodore 64 or Amiga. So don't do that go ahead and spend Don't a few it. bucks um normally i would say 11 dollars because that's how much it's advertised for but eric i have a secret for you what's that if you go to retro rewind.ca forward slash pixel guide and not only do we get credit for sending you there <laughs> but you can also use code pg10 at checkout to save 10 percent off your entire order at retro rewind.ca how do we do perfect I think that was fantastic. I think I, I think, think we made that. Wonderful. I mean, we made that work. I think we just made Frank <laughs> a lot of money. I hope so because he's a nice guy. I do want to tell one little short story. Is that I was? Uh, we're going to be talking about this a little later. Um, I've been working on my uh, this Atari fifty two hundred, and we'll, we'll be talking about that later in the show. But I had a couple of um, questions, like like just oddball questions that I threw out on Twitter. And he answered him, and he said, "I he basically will help me with anything I have." So he's just that kind of guy, very nice. Help me with my VIC twenty, um, Atari fifty two hundred. And it just a, just a super nice guy. So you really should give him business. And he's selling the stuff dirt cheap, and it's even cheaper with our code PG ten ten percent off. He's a helpful guy, even if you're not super famous like Eric. That's right. That's right. And ugly. <laughs> He even helps the ugly like me. My goodness. Well, let's go ahead and dial up old Timmy Poo. All right. Checking, checking. Are we there, Tim? Yo, yo, yo. Oh, no. We've got a, a mid-80s rap artist apparently on the line. <laughs> Where's Tim? <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello, Cody. Hello, Eric. How are you and how many beers are you in so far? Just one so far. And I am, good. And I am one scotch in. Wow! Yes. yes, it's been a it's been a few days here. It's been a, a crazy couple of days again. So I did not have time to grab the beer, but I have delicious whiskey at my disposal. So we're all good. Mm, whiskey, mm, whiskey. So um, in in a short while, I, I believe each of you have a package to open in here in just a bit. 
But first, I wish we did a... Uh, I wish I was the one doing the game show today so you guys could, like, earn the right to open your package. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you can come up with something on the fly, Cody. You're so creative. Uh, you know what? I, I will take the compliment and say I am creative. The problem is when I get creative, my, uh, my facts become inaccurate. And then the amigos <laughs> call me out on it. So, you know... You, I'm here to be creative. You guys are here to be accurate. I think that's yeah. how how we make you, this work. You get fact checked on Podbean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to add content to our errata section. Um, so uh, Tim, yeah, want want to start us off with the game show? It, it, is it Tim? No, it's, it's Eric. It's Eric. I'm sorry. Tim, I mean uh, Tim. You, you yeah, panicking. Then I've got nothing prepared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got us last time when you pretended you didn't have anything. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Eric, what is the name of the game show? Go ahead and yell it loud and proud and start this thing off. I have a special game show planned for you guys. Mm -hmm. I put a lot of thought into this. I've double-checked all the questions, so all these guys telling us we're wrong, it's not going to happen this time. I've got solid answers here. But anyway, it's a new game show. It's called Easy Peasy Lemon Squeezy. (laughs) That's my kind of game show. I like yep, it. That's Easy what it's peasy, called. lemon squeezy. Lemon squeezy. That's what it's called. So here's the way the show's going to go. It's got simple rules. I didn't make it too complicated this time, but it does. You, you will have to follow this. We have six categories. And listeners at, announce in a minute. And listeners at home or in their car, follow along. So let's see if you yeah, can. Exactly. Let's see if you can beat the experts here at Pixel Guy Dan. Okay, so there's going to be six categories which you will be able to pick. We're going to do a coin toss, except I didn't bring a coin. So you guys can decide who goes first if you want, or I can figure something out. Um, so there'll be six categories. You will pick the category that you want to do. You There were three questions for every category. There's easy. The first one's easy. Next one's tough. The, next, the third one is toughest. And they will have different scoring, respectively. There'll be one, three, and five. It's like okay. Jeopardy. All right, all right. That's all there is to it. And then, but the trick, you know, I always have a little twist, right? Okay. You, if you're in control of that category, you can keep going and answer all three and get all the points. If you get it wrong or can't answer it, the other person can steal that particular question, but it then will go back to the original person. Okay. Okay. So they can okay. steal it. All right. Does that, does that, does that make sense to you guys? Uh, yeah, kind of. I'm sure we'll we'll go along with it. It's like okay. a it's okay. like a '70s game show. Without right, I'm gonna without the creepy guy that like kisses my wife for no reason. <laughs> that wasn't me, man. <laughs> there was a couple '70s shows where the guy was just like, "Oh, and you must be the wife," and they just mwah, mwah. I'm like, "What is going on here?" <laughs> Anyways, all right, Cody, pick a number between one and five. Um, and say it right now. Right now. Yep, just the, say it. The correct answer is four, Eric. Oh my god, dude! I, I know, I know. I wrote four down there. So and that's Cody's how many points I get. All right, so that's crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> All right, here are the categories. And by the way, if you get it right, you will hear this. Mm-hmm. If you get it wrong, you will hear this. All right, gotcha. I hope everyone you will like that noise because they're going to hear that a lot for me. <laughs> you will not hear this during the game show. All right. All so right, if I right. hear that, something went wrong. Something went wrong. I hit the wrong button pretty gotcha. much. <laughs> All right. Here's your categories, Cody. You pick one. All right. <clears throat> PS1, 
Tomb Raider. Amstrad CPC series of computers. Diablo. Super Metroid. Or Atari 2600. Mm-hmm. I am trying to be... No, I think I'm going to leave that so you have to take it. That way I can steal the points later. I have to go with something... Uh, let's go PS1. Let's start PS1. Alright, PS1. Here's your first question worth one point. The PlayStation's best-selling game is Blank from 1997, which sold 10.85 million units. Grand We've Turismo. Hey! You get one point. I gotta. I forgot. I gotta keep score here. I can Cody, keep my score. Fair. One. Cody's got one. Okay. Second. This is the tough question. <laughs> the PlayStation was conceived by blank, a Sony executive who managed a hardware engineering division and was later dubbed the father of the PlayStation. And I'm supposed to know the name of this person. That's right. That's why it's a tough question. Yeah. Very much so. Um, I I couldn't even give you a name right now. So I'm even though I know it's wrong because it's a Nintendo guy. I'm just gonna say Shigeru Miyamoto. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be surprised because uh, anyway, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna give away too much. So anyway, let me give you this. <laughs> Tim, you can steal this one for three points. Yeah, I could. <laughs> Choose not to. <laughs> Is that a... Absolutely. (laughs) Was conceived by Ken Kudaragi. Okay. Okay. All right. Back to you, Cody. What CPU is used in the PS1? What's with you guys with this hardware garbage? Uh, Tim's going to know this one, therefore I need to get it because he'll pull something out. And I need the model number, not the code name of it or whatever. The yeah. model of the dude. I'm just going to say 6502 because it's the only chip I know. I know it's not a Z80. Those are like the two I know. 6502, Eric. Uh, Go ahead and shoot me down. Tim, steal the five-point question. What is the chip in the PS1? The only thing I know is it's the Emotion Engine, but I think that's PS2, isn't it? That is. Anyway. So, no, I I, I don't know. Don't know. My final answer is seven. The R3000 32-bit RISC microprocessor. Yep. All right. So, so far, (laughs) Cody is ahead one to zero. Oh, man. Tim, your turn. So, the available categories are Tomb Raider. Amstrad CPC, Diablo, Super Metroid, or Atari 2600. <laughs> I don't think it matters which one you pick at this point. You might as well uh, get your easy one point out of the way and then wow. let us both crash and burn. Um, Come on, Tim. I threw Amstrad CPC in there just for you. I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you pick whatever you want. Um, all right, go on then. Amstrad CPC, please, Eric. Amstrad CPC, CPC. that is the correct answer. Anyway. All right, here's the easy question. For one point, what does the CPC stand for in Amstrad CPC? Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, come on, man. 
Amster at CPC. I don't know. <laughs> are, are you are you joking? No, I'm not joking. I don't know. <laughs> What's in that mug you're drinking? Uh, which is brew. <laughs> oh man! Right. I, so are you? You don't know? No, honestly, I don't know. I thought it was always just in. <laughs> Cody, you can steal this. I'm gonna have to make something up, so I'm gonna go with computerized processing center, Eric. Aww. I feel bad. I feel like I made these questions too hard. <laughs> That's easy peasy. That was the easy peasy lemon yeah, squeezy. Yeah, sure it was. Good. Can't wait for the five pointer. CPC is short for color personal computer. Oh, okay. All and right. color color is even spelled wrong with the uh, with the U in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Oh boy. All right. All right. Here's the tough question. This is for you, Tim. Maybe this is easy. Maybe this is the easier one for you. Which model came after the CPC 464 chronologically? Oh, Tim knows that one. 664. Yep. Let me get you there. I knew that one. That Tim's one was ahead. That one was easy peasy. Three points. <laughs> well, I thought the other one would be easy. <laughs> <laughs> when I did the Amstrad CPC, I don't think I ever saw that come up in in really? The, the, the stuff that I was researching. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim. Now, here, here it is. This one was tailor-made for you, buddy. You ready? This is the toughest question. I'm ready. Tim's tough. Amstrad made a gaming console called the GX4000. It sucked. It sucked. It has a D-pad. The, the controller has a D-pad and two buttons. Mm-hmm. How are the buttons labeled? Hmm. Don't look anywhere, Tim, because I know you got one of these somewhere. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's in in a bag somewhere. Okay, I'm just going back into the deepest recesses of my mind. How in, a bag. in a How bag. How are they labeled? I don't like this in a bag stuff. I think that's a really cool looking unit. I actually want to get one just to put on the shelf. I think they look. It looks super. really cool. It's like a, doing my research. I, I saw the ports on the back, and I was going to ask a question about the ports. And that's a neat looking device. And the, the gamepad's kind of like the Turbo Graphics one. It's actually really pretty neat. It's like a Stingray SD, super deformed Stingray. Is what it looks it like. Like it's a trick question, but not a trick question. <laughs> I, I I always thought I, uh, Tim. I, I'll tell you. I looked at a picture of the controller, and it there are these labels, and right next to it, what the what the buttons are, and that's how you're, what the you're leading about. the witness. You're leading the witness. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. The only thing I can think of is that they're one and two. Correct. Oh okay. gosh, darn it. <laughs> I thought that was it. Hang on a minute. Am I am I missing something here? If they got some kind of weird labeling, all I can think of is they're one and two. Well, well you're crushing me now. Eight to one. Right. Tim has eight. Cody has one. All right, That's Cody. So here are the available categories: <laughs> Tomb Raider, Diablo, Super Metroid, or Atari Twenty Six Hundred. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Twenty Six Hundred because I think if Tim gets that first, he'll run with it. So I need to try to get some points out of it before I screw up. Gotcha. That's my that's my Here. logic. Cody, Here we go. So much credit where it's not you, man. <laughs> in its lifetime, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, at least here in the U.S., had two pack-in games at different times. What was the pack-in cartridge during the release of the Atari Twenty Six Hundred in nineteen seventy-seven? Hmm. 
think of one, but I don't think it was correct. I'm pretty sure Pac-Man came out later, which would have been funny because it's the Pac-In game. Um, combat, Eric. My answer is combat. Good answer. Yes. Correct. Was so the second game Pac-Man? The second one was Pac-Man. Oh, look on. at me acting Correct. like I was alive in 1977. What? <laughs> the console was prototyped as codename blank by Atari subsidiary Scion Engineering. Codename blank. What was its code name when it was because uh, the subsidiary Scion Engineering is the one who actually designed the prototype. I'm going to say the code name because it was actually the video computer system. I'm going to say the 2600 was the code name. That's my answer. I don't know any better. <laughs> Tim, you can steal. But he, he could. <laughs> he could. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I'll I'll say it's the Scion. <laughs> Incorrect. The code name was Stella. 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 And I have a bonus question for you, Cody. What year did this she get her groove back? <laughs> this is totally off the wall, but I'll give you a point. I'll give you three points if you can answer this. Cool. Where was Scion Engineering located? I'm going to say Sunnyvale, California. Grass Valley, California. Really? Can you believe that? I was I was just about to say that. Oh, <laughs> were, you, were you really, Tim? Yeah, no, give, give the man where, three, give the man three points. He would have said it. It's just the way that you said it. It's like, where is it located, Cody? Where was it? Yeah, I, I I just wanted to throw that one out there. That wasn't really. A, That's I would have given you a point. That's but. crazy. All right. All right. So here's the toughest question. Are you ready? You ready? 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 So ready. The CX-10 wired joystick was launched with the Atari 2600, but soon replaced with the wired CX-40, which was a cost-reduced version of the same joystick. They looked identical. Later, the wireless remote-controlled joysticks, that's what they were called, remote-controlled joysticks, were released. They were called the CX-what? They were the CX-82, Eric. Ah. I said it with confidence for five points. I'm just going to go CX 50. It was the CX 42. I got one of the numbers. I got one of the numbers. (laughs) Cody has two points. Tim has eight. We're going to cross that one off. Tim, here's your available categories. (laughs) Tomb Raider, Diablo or Super Metroid. Okay, I'll go Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Okay, royally suck at. Raiding of Tombs. All right. First question, the easy one. The first entry in the series Tomb Raider was released in 1996 for personal computers, PCs, if you will, PlayStation, and what console? (laughs) PCs, PlayStation, and what console? Apart from the PlayStation. Was it the N-Gage? 
it did, correct. It did come steal. out on that, but um, yeah. I think it was actually the Saturn, Eric. Yeah. Uh, 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 oh, I'll take it. it. So now you have three. Three to eight. All right, Tim. Second question. There have been two feature films for Tomb Raider. Real live ones, not animated. Real, real films. There have been two feature films for Tomb Raider. Who were the two actresses who played hmm. Laura Croft? I know one was Angelina Jolie. I'll give you that so far. So far. Don't know the second. You have no idea who the second one is? Because I can't give you any points unless you answer both answers. And you don't no guess? Boobs McGee. <laughs> <laughs> Point I know what you I know what you're gonna say, Tim. <laughs> All right, now let me hold on, I'm gonna give you the sound effect here. All right, Cody, so so far you have half that answer. I I have no idea. I was gonna make really? an, I was gonna also make an inappropriate joke, but Tim <laughs> took my thunder on that, so all I'm right. just going to say Denise Richards. There. Denise Richards would not have been in there, no. <laughs> it is Angelina Jolie and Alicia Vikander. Alicia Vikander. Never heard of her. Nope. All right. Have now. Here's the toughest question. Are you ready? Who is Boobs McGee? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the initials BM? <laughs> she drive a stringy lorry. <laughs> exactly. In 2002, Tim, a Tomb Raider game was developed by Ubisoft Milan and published by Ubisoft for the Game Boy Advance. What was it called? The full title. That's why it's the toughest question. It is. Um, go on then, Cody. Steal it. Okay, hold on. I gotta give you the sound effect. All right, Cody. What was it? I believe the full title is Tomb Raider Pocket Pool. <laughs> Pocket. <laughs> Part it two. was Tomb Raider The Prophecy. All right, so at the end of, we are halfway through the show now. We Well, more than halfway through. We have two more categories. Score is Cody three, Tim is eight. Actually, I have Cody, four. I have four, my friend. You have four? I will not be shorted. Yeah. yeah, you got an extra point, didn't you? You had three before that round, and then you got you stole one of my questions, man. All right, well, I, I, I messed up then. <laughs> All right, here we go. Your categories are Diablo or Super Metroid. Well, I'm going to have to go Super Metroid then. Super Metroid it is. Here we go. What is the full name of the main character? Full name would be Samus Aran? Yeah, exactly. I don't know how to pronounce it. Question mark. (laughs) Samus Aran. Correct! You have five points now. All right. Tough question. What planet does the game primarily take place? Which planet? I should I should speak proper English ooh, there. Ooh, ooh. Which um, planet does the game primarily take place? Brinstar. Is that correct? No, yeah. no. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you threw me for a loop. Brinstar is a, a zone on the you planet. You the correct sound effect. You can't go back on that. You've got to <laughs> no, 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 I can. I overruled. I'm the I'm the I'm the game master. Tim, you can steal this one. No, you're right. Carry on. <laughs> you, you don't know which planet it is? Carry on, that's what he said. Venus. 
Let me let me give you the sound effect there. The planet is Zebus. Z e b e s. Okay. Zebus. <laughs> Venus. Zebus. All right. Here's the toughest Super Metroid question. Zebus McGee. In Super Metroid, Samus Aran travels to planet Zebus to retrieve an infant Metroid creature stolen by the space pirate leader Blank. What is his name? Oh man! The space- for her, frankly, I don't know. Is it him or is it her? I have no idea, but it doesn't matter. Space pirate leader Blank. I think that the leader of the space pirates is a different name. That's in Super Metroid, right? That's what that was. That's the in Super was. Metroid. Yeah, the space pirates came in Super Metroid because the original Metroid was Mother Brain. I can't remember the space pirate. I'm just going to say Mother Brain because that's the only like main boss I can think of right now, but that is not correct. Tim, you can steal this one. I know you can. Um, Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> McGee. <laughs> it's Ridley. Oh, yeah. Ridley. Ridley. Okay. For lack of choices, Tim, you get the last category, which is Diablo. Diablo Diablo is the default category. Here we go. With the easy question. Who was the developer of the 1997 classic? And I'll give you like, I'll I'll be pretty lenient on this because you'll see why. But just give me a name and I'll tell you 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 why you're wrong. What? You, well, I'm sorry. What did you say? Blizzard. Yep. Correct. It, it's Blizzard North technically, but I'm going to give it to you. They're all part of the same, same, same house. Well done. Nine points. Nine points. This one and this one's not too bad. So this is the this is the mid question. Diablo has three character classes: the warrior, the blank, and the sorcerer. Valkyrie. Cody, you can steal this one for five, which would put you in the lead. Or, or three. I'm sorry, for three, which would make me still have to get the five pointer. Yeah. I'm gonna this say I'm gonna say the rogue. Hey! So you are up to eight. You are one point behind Tim right now. Here oh, we go. Look at that one pointer. Put you up, Tim. Alright, Tim, this one will uh, pretty much make you the winner, which you already are right now. But here we go. In 1998, the publisher Blank released Diablo for the PlayStation. Activision. Cody, you can win the whole shebang here. Wow. 1998, PlayStation. Publisher. Come on, Katie, you can do it. <laughs> thank you, for, thank you for the psych up. I love it. It's right there. It's right there. Staring at me. So it's boobs, McGee. Pointy. I'm gonna go with. I can't. I'm gonna say Idos. I have no idea. Of Tomb Raider, there, Idos. Exactly. Am I? Okay. Electronic Arts. 
Electronic Arts. Wow. All right. It was a close one. That was Eight a close one. Tim, congratulations. You are the winner. Hey. I win that. <laughs> Thank you, Eric, for the, uh, for the competition. And well done, Cody. That was the first episode of Easy Peasy Lemon Squeezy. I want, well, now, where did the lemon squeezy come in? Oh, well, it was Tomb Raider, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> you got your lemon squeezed. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you, uh, Eric. Thank you, Eric. That was You're welcome. Awesome. I enjoyed that. For a good time, call Eric with Easy Peasy <laughs> Lemon Squeezy. Uh, gentlemen, it is nigh time to <clears throat> catch up. Catching up with Eric and Cody and Tim and Tim. <laughs> I like catching up because there's no wrong answers. There you go. Well, I don't want to quite switch over to my notes yet because first, Eric had a birthday party or a birthday. This is, <laughs> yeah, this is the virtual party. But. This is the virtual party. So we we can't sing the happy birthday song, can we? Because otherwise, we'll we'll get. That's right. We we'll can do that. Down. Happy, happy birthday from all of us to you. <laughs> happy birthday, Eric. Happy birthday, Eric. <laughs> I got this package from Cody, from the Codester. Well, that's it. well that's it. it should say on there, from Cody and Tim, or Tim and okay. Cody. From I'm Cody. not sure which way. And Tim! And okay, Tim. I, didn't know, I didn't know exactly who it was from, but it's from Cody and Tim then. Awesome. All right, am I ready to open you it? You know how Amazon does it? They have probably a little gift, re- gift receipt in there that says... You know, on size eight font that was from us. <laughs> but there you go. All right. I'm going to open it then. You ready? Open Good away. Here we go. Oh, look at that. PS4. That's Grand the one. Turismo 7. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I, the last Grand Turismo I played was on the PS2. Now you're I, completely up to date. Now yeah. I am up to date. Give yourself a week in, in between where you actually want to play it and where you actually put it into the console. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to load it, everything. <laughs> I will put it in tomorrow morning and let it just do its thing all day long. So. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I'll Sweet. Be, well, thanks a lot, guys. This is awesome. Yeah. So I'll be honest, I'm, I, I haven't gotten mine yet. I haven't ordered it. Um, okay. I'm, the main reason is I'm terrified of how large this file is going to be on my PlayStation 4. And as it is right now, every time I put something on my PS4, I have to delete one or two other things to get something else on. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. <laughs> Maybe you need to look at upgrading the hard drive in it because that's one one of the things I've been thinking of doing. Or you, yeah. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you can just put another hard drive on through the USB. Is that right? You can because that's what I have. I have because I I inherited my son's PS4 and he. It's a, it's got a very small hard drive in it, and he had this big, big, giant external <laughs> drive that you have to carry around with the PS4 when you're moving around. Oh wow! Yeah. So yeah, that might, so might just, be worth doing. I can just buy like a, a external Western Digital and plug it in the front, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's, well, that's it. easy enough. I got to do any hard do drive will work. Well, I actually have a laptop hard drive that's just sitting over here. I'll just grab that. Yep, it's internal, It'll but work. I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, just just get a cheap case in for it. Yep. There you go. Cool. Um, and then, Tim, you should have a package next to you somewhere. I do. It is time for you to go grab said package. And while you grab your package, radio <laughs> edit, um, 
I think it, I need to go for my next beverage. Yes, I would like to do what? Look at that. That's that's just the box. We'll get to that later. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, Eric, what are you drinking? I am drinking an almond brown ale from Temblor Brewing Company. Which uh, is in California, and it's made with freshly roasted California almonds. So this is a almond brown ale. Interesting. It's a bit nutty. It's a bit nutty. So I'm having yet another whiskey. This time it is not a scotch. This one. It was my birthday, and I was given a bottle of Angel's Envy. Wow. Oh, wow. Uh, see the pretty wings on the back? Yeah, it's got a very curvy bottle. Nice. Very curvaceous. And this is a, a uh, finished rye whiskey. I mean, I'm sure it's uh, south somewhere. Let's see if it actually... Where does it say here? I should know where this one's from. It's a very well-known whiskey. Yep, it's there you go. Your cabinet, Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> Louisville. My buddy Troy Dumas lives in Louisville, Kentucky. So, if Troy, you're listening, how's it going, bruh? Pour him one out. All right. Got my angels envy. and envy of all the angels. Eric, cheers. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Coffee, Tim. Oof. Oof. That good? <laughs> Is that <a> woof? <laughs> 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 it's got a definite almond taste to it. This one is uh, usually when you have a brown ale or a nut brown ale, it, it you know, it, it's hard to explain the flavor, but this one tastes like almonds. I mean, it is a strong almond flavor, which is uh, a little off putting because, you know, it's kind of like the like the hazelnut flavor you put in your coffee or oh, something yeah, like I that. I don't like that. Yeah. Or um, you go to McDonald's, they get an iced coffee and they put hazelnut without you asking them to. And you feel yeah. like someone just punched you in the mouth. <laughs> just, Why would you do that? And you just get irrationally <laughs> angry all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, not, exactly not that I've like done that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it, but it's not bad. It's got a pretty nice flavor to it. Um, I'll probably give it like uh, what? What are we going to rate this out of? Well, let's um, keep it the same. We are doing three three fingers of of whiskey. Three, <laughs> okay. I'm I'm gonna have to go down then to give this probably a one one out of three. Okay, okay. Well, I'm gonna round up. This is delicious. Although my wife will, <laughs> my wife enjoys whiskey with me, and uh, we were having it the other day. And for her, it actually it's funny you mentioned that because she finds it has a very maple, like sweet maple taste, and it yeah. does. But when you mentioned almond with that, now I'm like, it's maple, but it's kind of like amaretto, which is an almond. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Which I like from time to time. It is very sweet. It's almost like. I don't know. Breakfast cereal sweet. <laughs> but I like, <laughs> like it. Loops. So I'm going like to round up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with three out of three. So is three it, out of three. Do you, I don't know. Do you, do you guys have marzipan over there? Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't stand it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, really? Is it too sweet? I, I just not, not, not big on it. Is it you a know, texture it, thing? It just goes around fruitcakes and all that sort of stuff. So I just peel off the marzipan. <laughs> and marzipan. I wonder the if it's... And the fruitcake. I wonder if we're talking about the same thing. Is it because Mar- yellow, yellow, sort of like um, 
Uh, it's almost like a hardened sugar that goes around yeah, like a, yeah. yeah. yeah you wrap, oh. wrap it around cakes. I would yeah. call marzipan, it. Yeah. Because I mean, we, we've had a few marzipan things around here and I like marzipan. It's, I like sweet things though. Oh, okay. I thought it was like fondant. That sounds like fondant. Yeah, it, it, that's it. it is. Yeah. Okay. Cause to me, Mar- what am I thinking of? I was thought marzipan was like the little Mexican. They were like round, um, compressed discs of, um, oh shoot. I forget what it what you would call it. It's like peanut and uh, lard, <laughs> but it's really sweet. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it's really almondy taste. Okay, it's yeah, probably the it same kind of thing. I've never had the yellow yep. fondant yeah. type, I guess. Then, but I'll send you some next time. Oh, <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? The little coins of the Mexican marzipan. I'll, uh, I'll send you no, sometime. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's not know. in it's not in the box in front of you there, but uh, no, okay. Well, so don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, that. let's All open right. this bad boy. Open this up. <clears throat> I'm excited. So, I've Tim, you've for, I've had this for about a week, and it's been killing me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Tim, you've given me so many amazing things. Uh, well, over the years, but especially recently. So, I felt like I had to try to try to give you the the happiness and enjoyment in a box you've given me. Um, Thank you very much. And then, of course, just like Tim would do, I had to make put a bunch of extra packaging in there. So uh, I, I, I don't give to receive, but it's it, it's very appreciated. Yes. Well, I want you to have the happy. Um, now I don't know what your magical American candy bar is, so I can't give you you know thirty American equivalents to a crunchy bar. So I just went frankly, and frankly, all the candy bars tend to suck. <laughs> yeah, most of the good ones. I'm like, oh wait, that's British. Exactly. <laughs> I like the the what was it the Ghirardelli chocolates. Yeah, those are pretty decent. I should have grabbed. I should have grabbed some of the. Anyways, I gave you some fun things to try. So, I'll... fun, 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 fun. Good times. I'm so that package made there pretty quick. It is the most expensive one I've sent yet again. Yeah, that one broke a hundred bucks to get over there. Uh, something that I've got to open last. Yes. So the, <laughs> I would suggest that you open that one last. Okay. And of course, I put it on top. The box is open. Dum dum dum. I think this is the most successful package I've sent you because usually they've been like opened by the the royal post and repackaged, and <laughs> exactly. we're hoping that everything's Search. put back in there. So for the people that are into ASMR, oh <laughs> yes, yes, that is the bubble wrap. So I'll put that one to one side. It's an open laster right there. That one last. Right. I'll move away from the mic a little bit. <laughs> then... yeah. That one's in a box? or Oh, no, I just tried to wrap them all up that way. So so Tim pulled one package out and put it to the, to the floor as if you didn't want to open that one yet. No, no, I do. I just <laughs> want to get all the packaging out of the way first. <laughs> it's like Christmas morning, all these packages. Jiminy Christmas. What's going on here? <laughs> It's all over the place. I'll warn you right now. It's all over the place. So, let's start with these ones. Starting with Take these ones, the and then put them back in the box. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dun, 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 I feel like dun, I'm opening dun, dun, this with you because I can't remember what nonsense they put in there. First of all, we have Fun Dip. Fun Dip. Now, have, do you know Fun Dip? Are you familiar with Fun Dip? Uh, no, but it's, is it like a sherbet? No. So you gave me, 
you gave me um, a while back, and it didn't come through quite right, but it was this thing that you got like some sort of a candy stick and you shoved it in like the yeah flavored sugar in the sherbet yeah yep. yeah so this is kind of our version of that so the one that you gave me was almost like a push pop kind of weird thing but um yeah i think it's a three pack you get a few different flavors there and it's just you um, lick it you lick it and stick it lick it and stick it so we've got cherry yum diddly dip diddly dip uh raz apple magic dip uh yeah that looks cool Okay. Yeah, give that a try with the fam. Next, we have Pop Rocks. Popping candy. Yeah, I love popping candy. Oh, okay. yeah. So, yeah, okay. Again, I'm, yeah, I'm grabbing had, stuff. We I- had it over here, and it was called Space Dust. Okay, there you go. Do you remember uh, the rumors in school about, like, if you uh, yeah. took Pop Rocks and then drank soda, like, it would explode and kill you? Pretty much. You just die. <laughs> uh, some Warheads. I like Warheads. Got you some Warheads. Uh, some Jolly Ranchers, thank you very much. That's uh, one I know oh, you I, love. Donna will love those as well. Oh, corn nuts! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're crunchy corn kernels. So again, I'm, I don't know what's purely American and what's not, or what we feel is American but is not. Are corn nuts a thing over there, or does that Absolutely sound bizarre? Not, no. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh wow. So yeah, corn nuts are huge over here. Um, again, I most of. Most of that yeah. stuff is we we'd eat at every like baseball practice, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I I went through a corn nuts phase. I oh yeah, I, they're actually really pretty good. You'd be like like chewing on your corn nuts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you have to and let me know. Cowtails. <laughs> so those are my favorite. These look cool. I like these. I love those. <laughs> they're basically a really. Why soft... are they called cowtails? Um, That's what so... it says on the back. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I thought you were asking. So the, the the original ones, those are kind of minis, like a bag of mini ones. The original ones are like two feet long. Oh, wow. And it's just this long piece of really soft caramel with uh, like this sugary cream down the center. Mm-hmm. They're good. I know. Yep, yep. Right. Okay. Next. Again, apologies for the bubble wrap noise. Watch out for your coordinates. Cut me corn nuts. Okay, so we have marshmallow circus peanuts. Okay, so that's American, I believe. Okay. That's very American. They're, I will warn <laughs> you, those those are terrible, but like every hardware store in America sells circus peanuts as a snack. I was going to tell you, I do not like those. Those are, no, those are not good. They are awful. Even, for, for added bonuses, I've got one of the most scary clowns on the front of the package as well. <laughs> <laughs> if the sweets don't give you a nightmare, the packaging will. I Tim, if, you like to eat, if you like to eat mothballs that are, <laughs> that, are, that, that, are like t- that are paisley colors, then yeah, you'll you love might. those. I, I well, don't like the- mothballs, but I like spider balls. <laughs> We might have to have Tim try one of those on the show, but that's um, okay, so every hardware store has ones, those. The, there's a bag of little sweets. Are these taffy? That is saltwater taffy. You said you've never had it before. Oh, man, that is awesome. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, now, to make it even better, <clears throat> so I went to a, a, a local candy barrel store here where um, you know they have barrels out, and each barrel is just filled with one type of candy, and you just kind of yep. grab whatever, and you go to the counter. And, um, and so... There's three of each of those flavors in there, and you can tell the flavor just by looking at the colors. Uh-huh. I'm not going to tell you what they are. Some are good. Some are going to be nasty. <laughs> it's like kind of like the Jelly Belly, Bernie Bot's every flavored beans or whatever. 
I've got uh, pictures of everyone I sent you on my phone with the name tag, so I can send those to you. But you've got to—I think you and the family have to try to figure out what they are first. Yeah, no, no, we're gonna we're gonna go into that. Thank you so much. That is awesome. <laughs> and there's another one, man. With these sweets, you are spoiling me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just grabbed oh, lemon heads. A big yes. box of lemon heads. Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> they usually come in little boxes. That's awesome. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you. Sugar babies. That's another uh, delicious so you- candy coated milk caramels. I, I was actually, I think Sugar Daddies was the original and then they made smaller versions, right, Eric? Does that sound right? Sugar, ba- yep, sugar Babies? Right. This. Yep. Nico. Oh, okay. Nico wafers? Yep. The original candy wafer. Yeah, I used to eat the Nico wafers a lot a lot when I was a kid, like a little kid. Mm. What's your opinion on those now as a grown man? Oh, they're, they're disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> they, they taste like chalk. So, they do. They're like Tums, but without the medicine. Exactly. Um, but no, those were another huge. Uh, I, again, I believe in original American candy. I would always get the chocolate one because it would be chocolate all the way through. Yeah. But I gave you the traditional, like multicolored one. So yeah, each one take a slightly piece. different flavored chalk. Aha! Uh-huh. And we have whales. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> so I was the hoping cheese cracker. I was hoping to get you. Um, um, what are the fish? Yeah, yeah, the, the goldfish, uh, the, the pepper goldfish. farm goldfish. Yeah. yeah, and I and the store I went didn't have them, but they had this like knockoff box for a dollar. And I'm like, these are going to be terrible, <laughs> but hopefully Danica likes them. I don't know. So let me know how the whales are. I will. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Again, I'd rather fill that box okay. with food than than styrofoam. Do you know what? That's brilliant. That that would have just been <laughs> enough. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> All right, where are we going for now? What do I do first? There's, there's this one. Go for that one. And then there's a bigger box. Go and for that one. one okay, go for this one. Right, He's opening, opening a up. brown box. Yeah. About the size of a shoe box, I believe. It is. If you wear size three feet. <gasps> ah! Ah! No way. Yeah. <laughs> It is a Famicom. There you go. (laughs) Original Japanese Nintendo. It is. And keep opening it and take a look there because it is a stock Famicom. Hey, do you know what? Yeah. They sold over 19 million of these. Oh, look at the knowledge on this guy. So what's cool is Look I brought that. that one in from Japan, and when you get them from Japan, they actually have it in that styrofoam or that uh, yeah, they do, yeah, <laughs> that hard plastic. Uh, I don't know what you call that stuff, but now look Sorry, at that cable on top. No, it's, not, it's not it's not saran wrap, is it? As you call it, we call that cling film, believe it or not. Yep. But look at look at the look, before you put that away. Look at the um, on the top of that that you just put back there. So on the top there, that is not stock. That cable there is an AV mod. Oh. Yes, you've you've done that. Thank you very much. So that um, you know, obviously that uh, I I, w- I don't even know how it would work in England. So obviously, because you need sixty hertz power, which I know you have your converter, so you can do that. Mm-hmm. And then if you use the RF out, that was standard on those things. In Japan, you have to use channel three or four. But when you bring it to America, it's channel ninety five and ninety six, which only some TVs can even 
tune into that channel. And I don't even know what would happen in England. So it's modded, yeah. so you can oh, just plug it in. It'll blow up your TV. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Um, and of and course, there there's some multicolored things in the bottom. Now there's there is um oh yeah open open those first I guess let's see what that looks like. So we got uh, so these are some uh, Famicom cartridges. So we've got Load Runner, which is nice. bright yellow. Uh, we have Tennis, bright purple. We have some oh. some Japanese game. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a uh, slot machine game. That's right. I, I remember you like fruity fruit. What do you call them? Fruit uh, fruit machines. Fruit machines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, and we've got a uh, Dragon Quest. Oh, that's cool. Dragon Quest three. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Blackheart. Uh, we have a. Uh, I don't know what that one is. Um. Oh, uh, is that uh, is it Pachinko? I don't actually know which one that is. I think it's, is it called Pachinko? It's the, where they have all the, um, uh, ball bearings in the machines and all that. Yeah, the little ball bearings. Yeah, yeah. I think it's called Pachinko. If that's uh, what it is, wow. then yeah. I actually got two of those machines. I don't know if you've ever seen those, Tim. Yeah. There's a, there's so a, that, I, I gave you that one because that's America right there. Yes, America. <laughs> that is the Statue of Liberty. With a big American <laughs> flag in the background. No idea yeah. what that game is, but there you go. Oh, and a baseball game, which Sweet. was 87. <laughs> yep. So the truth, and the reason I give you that one, so here's the reason for all those, is I want to give you a flavor of the color of all the Famicom cartridges, because they just look crazy, all the different colors. And then the, the cool thing about the Namco ones, if you look, look at that baseball game, they have spine labels on them, which the other ones don't. And then the front of it actually has Namco, like, embossed into the plastic. So, I, awesome. I have a ton of games for the Famicom, but none of them that I actually have are any good, except for, like, two. So, I just wanted to give you kind of a smattering of the colors. Um, Load Runner is playable. You'll enjoy Load Runner. <laughs> that is brilliant. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. So, there's one underneath, which is a biggest box. The biggest box. That says Fragile. Did I write fragile on it? Or whoever yeah. sent it to me did? Whoever sent it to you did. So I'm opening the next box. Second to last box. I'm hoping I'm hoping um I remember this one correctly. <laughs> do you know what this is, Eric? <laughs> I do. Mouth is yes, open. I do. <laughs> Cody, that's insane, man. Well, <laughs> Did you do you remember all the insane stuff you gave me? I wanted, well, yeah. I wanted to I wanted to repay the favor. I love it. Now Holy holy <laughs> So tell the listeners what it is. I, I've gotta open it up just to make sure it's real. It's fake. It's completely fake. <laughs> this is the real Panasonic <laughs> FZ ten three D oh 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 <laughs> Now again, the, the, there's so cool. as with uh, a lot of things you sent me. There's always kind of one caveat, and that is if you look at the sticker on the bottom, it says junk. <laughs> <laughs> it says Jap- Japan is what it says. Yeah, it's so Japan. So obviously that is a uh, you know 60 hertz uh, NTSC yeah, machine. Yeah. 
No, um, not a problem at all. So I knew you'd have to do a little conversion, but you can make it work. Yep. And check out the controller on that bad boy. I love that controller. Yeah, and- because these are ones where it's got one controller port on the 3DO, and then the other controller port is on the joypad, isn't it? Yep, so you can daisy chain them. Is that right? I think it's actually a really nice controller, Eric. You remember when we played that thing? You like? I the- do, yeah, yeah. They're they're actually really ergonomic and feel really good. Oh, I was that piece supposed to come off? Yeah. Was, oh, that's yeah. A, a cover. The that's oh, the- that's a port. That's the daisy chain port, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. wow! You know what? Mine doesn't have that cover. I should have stole that from yours before I gave it to you. <laughs> I'll keep it for you. you no, go. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> That is brilliant. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, oh, of course, yes. The other thing is they've got the um, the headphone socket on the actual. Yeah, they were ahead of the Xbox on, on that one. Well, yeah. Um. Wow. And and you, I, I believe you had some games for it, but they're probably do, yeah. PAL. Yeah. I don't know if they'll work or not, but. Ah, you even sent me a superflu- superfluous power cord. <laughs> I, I did. I did. <laughs> I did because I thought you might have the converter. You might still have to use that. I don't know, but that, that might. Yeah, that that might go in the uh, in the in the step up, step down. Yeah, but should. Yeah, yeah because either Fantastic. way, the transformer in that thing needs one twenty. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And now you can open. I think the the, the last little box, which is just a little open thing. The last one. Just a little thing. Sorry for the listeners. Listeners, this is taking ages. <laughs> <laughs> and we have some games. Yep, I just burnt some stuff for you so you didn't have to. Uh, so you're ready to run when you wanted to plug that thing in. Nice. So, Pode? P-O-D? P-O-D. That is, P-O-D. oh yeah, I can't say what that is for the UKers. That is something off. Something to off. Oh, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> P.O.'d. Syndicate. Cool. Thank you. Which I think you've... That's one of the games that I've actually got. Yep. um, yep. Uh, Star Control 2, which is... I think that's meant to be really cool, isn't it? Star Control 2. I haven't played it, but I was hoping we could all play it for a battle one of these days, because a lot of people love that one. Yep. And Battle Sport. That one's interesting. Mm. Hmm. Is that the last one I sent in there? Yep. Oh, shoot. Okay. P.O.'d. Uh, Syndicate, Star Control 2, and Battlesport. Well, you can burn whatever you want. But yeah. uh, I didn't know. I was. I gave you Syndicate. I knew you had it, but I didn't know if the version you had would work because maybe yours is PAL or something. Um, so I tried to send you Captain Quasar as well since <laughs> you had that one. All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, there you go, Tim. Thank you so much. That yeah. is so generous of you. I, oh, wow. That is, my, my room is full. And my heart. <laughs> Your heart is <laughs> All right. Well, let's keep on keeping on here. Let me pull up this, our show notes here, and I can share my screen. And catching up topic, we'll call it number three. How about that? Is. Oh, that's news. Beep, 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 beep. Uh, me real quick. So speaking of Famicoms, if you guys have listened to the show for a while, uh, you know that I had purchased a Famicom disc system, which is plays floppy disks that connect to the Japanese Nintendo NES, which is called the Famicom. And I got that cool little um, USB plug-in device that basically allows me to 
fake the disc system so I can play disc system games on my Famicom, but it doesn't actually use the actual disc system I bought. It kind of bypasses it altogether. <laughs> um, and I did get my uh, the couple of games that I that I ordered from Japan, and I tried them, and the disc system just kept spinning. Which so I knew there was a belt issue, which I guess they almost all have. Uh, so I ordered some belts, and I opened up my Famicom disc system, and it is quite an involved process to get to where the belt is. You really have to take the thing apart. I thought you'd be able to just open it, and you'd see the belt, and you'd put it on there, and that'd be it. But you literally have to open it, flip the internals upside down, do like five screws, open something, flip it upside down again, open three more screws, pull this rotor off in a weird way that took me 15 minutes to figure out how to do it without breaking it. Um and then the old belt, sure enough, was just a bunch of dust and residue, which I had to clean up with alcohol and a cotton swab. Got the new belt on there, put it all back together, um, and I had ordered another... So this is key, Tim, for your Famicom. Make sure, and I'm sure you do this anyways, but make sure you match the polarity of the adapter you get to put that in, because I think, I can't remember, it's normally positive center. This one's negative center. Yeah. Um, and if you get it wrong, it just blows up. Um, and what will blow up, I will tell you because I've replaced two of them in my life already, is the 75, I think it's called a 7852. 7, it's, it's a little three pinned um, voltage regulator. Yep. It's not a hard thing to swap out. In fact, I just ordered 10 of them on Amazon and uh, I got one from Japan that was already blown and fixed it. And that's my the one at Famicom I have. And then, uh, so when I was doing this thing and I was trying the discs out, uh, sure enough, the, the f- disc system popped up and said, you know, insert disc. I answered the disc. I heard it trying to load it and it couldn't quite, I, the, I think the read head was slightly misaligned and I was going to start working on it. Reset it a couple times. And then all of a sudden the screen went black. I don't know what's up. I purchased um, a very inexpensive, it was 399 on Amazon, replacement power supply that was correct. But when I had that powered into the disk system and I had my good Sega Genesis power system, uh, power supply, which is correct, uh, in the Famicom, somehow having both those power supplies in there at the same time and trying to make it run blew that voltage regulator. So I think I think that the one I bought was just so dirt cheap that it was just awful and destroyed it anyways. So I think that was $4 wasted. <laughs> So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna dig out a second Genesis power supply and try it again. But that's where I'm at with the Famicom disc system. So the the Genesis power supplies. I thought they were center positive. Go ahead and check that. But no, they are. I don't know. A, I I know I use mine with my Spectrum all the time. Yeah. So I the, the Spectrum and the Genesis I share like a power supply. I I think the. Uh, I, well, I, I can. I promise you, the one I have is a Genesis one. If you look up online, just just make sure, double, double check all your work. But a Genesis one absolutely works. Yeah, this one yeah, is the uh, center negative. Yeah, center negative. Yep, yeah. that's the one there I got. Go. Okay, that's it. Sorry for ever doubting you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim, you've got some. Yes. Have I? What have I? Got? No, not. I'm sorry, not Tim. I'm sorry, Eric. Eric, you, this you, will be quick. You, you so, seem as happy as ever. <laughs> we <laughs> good transition. Yep. Yeah. So 
we I think we all now have Evercade versus machines, right? Oh yeah. Yes. So I've been enjoying. I be, I decided to splurge a little bit and get a couple of uh, the cartridges that I've wanted. So I got Codemasters Collection One, which uh, Tim had warned me that these were like the crappy Genesis ports, not the Amiga ports. Mega or uh, Master System uh, ports. No, that, uh, yeah, that no, it wasn't the Codemasters one. Um, it was the Bitmap Brothers, I think. Oh, Bitmap Brothers. Yes. That's right. And I, yeah. I, I I don't have that one yet. Um, okay, so this one's okay. The Codemasters one's okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Yep. So I got that and I played some cannon fodder, played a little bit of the sensible soccer. Um, there's a bunch of uh, skid marks is on here, which is a great game. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, super skid marks, actually. Um, it's a great cartridge. So I've had fun with that one quite a bit. And then I got the Indie Heroes one. Love that one. Um, nice. And I'm, I haven't dug into this yet. I've played about three games and they were all not very good. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I love all of them. Um, but there was one game, uh, Foxy Land, I think it's called, that was pretty Foxy. decent. Um, but I didn't get a ton of time. So I'm, I'm still going to dig into these. Uh, but that is Indie Heroes Collection 1. So The one with the um, flea, I'm, I've played the most of. The Indie Heroes Collection 1? Yeah, there's a that big brown thing on the front, that's a flea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The that flea. flea yeah. The flea game, I played a ton of that. But it's a you know platformer, so you kind of have to be into that kind of a game yeah yeah so i i need to d- jump into it i'm gonna spend the next couple of weeks trying to jump into that but um i'm digging the evercade i'm still very uh pro evercade and I'm waiting for some of these cooler cartridges to come out um i hope they just keep going because the one that shipped with the evercade was the technos arcade one uh, not a lot of good stuff on there <laughs> really, I, I quite like the technos arcade one Maybe I'm thinking of, of the other Technos one. Hang on, let me get that down. I am. I'm sorry. It was Technos Collection One. But anyway, I, I, I I've been enjoying the verses. I love playing it on the the TV. Um, I I actually really dig the controller as well. So I mean, I'm I'm real happy with the Evercade. Absolutely. Speaking of being real happy, Tim. What is yours? Yeah, I was really happy with this one. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is pretty much it for me this month. <laughs> I haven't I haven't had a chance to do an awful lot. I've been really really busy with personal life and work has been absolutely killer. So I haven't really done a lot of retro stuff and pickups and all those sort of things to 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 go through, but I've got a few things that I've managed to do in the last week or so. And this one is uh on uh, eBay randomly, I was just having a quick look and there was a local um, 1084S monitor. Nice. A Commodore 1084S monitor. Um, and I just put a prospective bid on it, just literally just like a placeholder of, I think it was about £15 or something silly like that. And I thought, nah, you're never going to get that at that price. Um, and I won it. It went for <laughs> £10.50. No one else bid on it. Um, nice. It was a wow. only. Um, and it said on it that it didn't work, you know, but it was working just like a, a pinkish bluish hue on the screen or something like that. So I thought, well, it had a, it had all the cables and the manual with it. So I thought, well, worst case scenario, it's a chassis. It's got the original Commodore cable, which is really cool. Uh, it's got the manual and a yeah. cable. So for £10.50, it's worth it yeah. just for that. Heck yeah, so, exactly. So exactly. anyway. Um, met up with the guy, really nice guy, picked, picked it up, um, got it back home, 
uh, took it outside as I normally do with a very long power cord, <laughs> <laughs> pumped it outside, um, switched it. Well, you, you can't switch it off because it's got the usual thing with like the Philips style chassis where you've got the, the power button on the back. Um, and those, those power buttons are common for sort of like either freezing and locking in or out or something like that over time luckily this one's locked in so it's it's on on um, <laughs> always <yeah>. on <laughs> so you use the the power switch on your on your extension cord or something like that um so anyway to cut a long story short it it powered up it worked fine but it just had that uh, pinkish hue on the screen um i tried it through um a composite and it wasn't quite so bad on that so it kind of mm. gave me a bit of hope um so I opened it up. Um, I there, looked on the uh, the D type because it's, it's got like the nine way D type port on the back, not the SCART port like the earlier um, over here. Anyway, the the 1080s had. Um, so it's got the proper RGB port on there. So I had a look at that on the actual board, and it looks like someone's had a go at it. Um, so I desoldered all of that and re reflowed that that uh, sorted that out that was much nicer but that still didn't sort sort the problem um and then eventually with the help from one of my friends on twitter um binary dinosaurs um he uh, said that there should be some adjustment pots on the side he said, be real careful and make sure you've got a plastic screwdriver. Um, <laughs> cause obviously you've got to poke in whilst the monitor is on to adjust the colors. Um, so, uh, luckily I had one of those little sort of like pry tools or whatever it was. So I had one of those, but the, the actual pots on the board are plastic anyway. Um, so it's, safe <laughs> in inverted <laughs> commas <laughs> to to do um so i kind of like at arm's length i was tuning these these color pots and uh yeah eventually i got it got it back so huh. um it turned out it, and it's a champion it's it's just going really really well i've been using it for everything recently um That's awesome. brilliant so yeah uh absolute bargain well stoked wow um, color pots i didn't know about those and I, and I kind of joked with my wife, like, you know, oh, wow, I've got this for £10.50 and it's now like worth £150. She said, yeah, but you'll never sell it, will you? So it doesn't matter. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> true. <laughs> there, but I should, true. I should really pass it on. But there's no way I would sell it for, you know, £150 or whatever like that. You know, I'd, I'd rather pass this on to someone that really doesn't have a CRT and, you know, do a swap or something like that so if anyone out there in england is listening that wants a crt a 1084s <laughs> in england know. in england we might be able to work yeah. <laughs> sending this over to <laughs> europe or to america it's yep. just going to get trashed along or the just way. keep it fortune or uh, yeah but uh, just set I've it up in donna's room screens <laughs> <laughs> wherever donna likes to hang out just put it in there yeah <laughs> there is literally a crt in every room of the house at the moment <laughs> i love it i love it uh, so yeah so that that's my one and uh this this monitor is pal only funnily enough interesting yeah. interesting do you have anything to say about that cody um it, but it's not actually pal i so i get there's a segue i got it i got the segue it's not actually PAL only, though, is it? I thought they were all both. I thought they were all no. NTSC PAL. No. No? Negative. Negative. 
Interesting. If you, if you pop a NTSC thing on this, it just goes black and white. Weird. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, I got to power up and play with my pal C64 that Tim sent me last month. Which is, it's a C64C with the the new shell that I've never seen before in person, but now I have. Yep. And uh, it originally, when I first loaded up, started up perfectly, um, but I didn't hear any sound. So, and I talked to you a little about this, Tim, but I'm like, was this working when you sent it? And you're just like, you know what? It's, it, it worked last time. I, I think that worked before I, you stored it or whatever. And you just sent it over. And so uh, I'm like, you know what? I think it might be a, I'm, it's probably a bad SID chip, which of course is like the most expensive part of a Commodore, but yeah. probably a bad SID chip. Um, and so I opened it up and uh, was kind of just reseated everything. And sure, I couldn't get the sound working. Uh, and then I decided to turn it on again. When the sound wasn't working, I decided to touch the SID chip and I almost burnt my fingerprints off. Wow. So it got very, very warm. <laughs> and that told me, yep, it's a bad SID chip. Um, so luckily I had one, I think I had exactly one remaining original SID chip um, left in my little collection from all those Commodore 64 uh, junkers I I, yeah. I got. Popped it in there and it works like a charm. Sounds great. Plays great. Love it. It's kind of my, uh, It's I think it's going to be my workhorse moving forward um, in large part because the vast majority of stuff in the Commodore 64 scene is either PAL and NTSC or just PAL. Mm-hmm. And I would say, and Eric, you can probably back me up on this, probably eight out of ten games will run on, in my experience, because the other two are PAL only. And I always just go, gosh, darn it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to admit, I keep my, because uh, I have the Ultimate 64, and yeah. I keep it in PAL mode almost all the time. And, th- and that's what I use kind of my daily driver, Commodore 64, these days. I rarely use my NTSC 64. Um but I keep mine in PAL mode. Most, almost all the games are in some kind of PAL format. And so that's just, it's the way to go. And if, if you have a monitor that works with that, you should go with it. Yeah. Especially yeah. kind of like the way you fly with the 64 as well, Katie, whereas you mostly play sort of like a lot of modern stuff, don't you say? So, yeah. Um, yeah. There's, they, they normally take cater for PAL and, and NTSC. Absolutely. So anyways, life is good. Or as the Italians would say, it's a good Vita. Excellent. <laughs> Speaking of the PS Vita, so Tim graciously gave us these super hacked Vitas, which I appreciate because I'm I've been enjoying the crap out of it. Um, but I just I really just wanted to say thank you, and then also highlight some of the games I've been playing because I've been really enjoying it, and I, and I haven't even tapped into you know I've, I haven't even tapped into one percent of what's available so far, but. Um, I've been playing a ton of um, this game called Resogun. Have you guys played that game? No. I have. You played on PS4 probably, right? Um, Jody, or have you so played on I, Vita? No, when I got it, I think it was on PlayStation 3 and Vita. It was a okay. a game I, I bought when it was on sale and it worked for both. And um, it's kind of like a Defender-style game, if I remember correctly. It's like a defender style game that's on like this weird 3D like cylinder mm-hmm. kind of thing that spins around. It's a very odd kind of uh platform, but I I got to say I've been hooked on that and playing that a ton. Um I've been playing a good old classic called Spelunky, which I originally started playing Spelunky on the Xbox 360 and I loved that game. I played it all the time. 
Um, I didn't know it was on the Vita, found it on there and was like, hey, there's Spelunky. That's that's a cool old friend. And I just loaded it up and I've been playing that like crazy, like waiting for my daughter to get out of school. Um, and then um, Geometry Wars Dimensions, it's yeah. another 360 game that um, the original Geometry Wars I loved on the Xbox 360. That's a whole different version. Uh, it's very cool. It's on like three dimensional different platforms uh, that you play, you know, Geometry Wars was a twin stick shooter, pretty much if, if someone out there hasn't played that. And then one of the very rare games that uh, that is was for the Vita that I heard on a podcast once that sounded so interesting and I really wanted to play it, but I never had a Vita um, was a game called Gravity Rush. Have you guys heard of that one? Yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't seen I it. I thought that was pretty common, though. And no, I mean, from what I understand, it's very difficult to actually buy that now. If you wanted to play the original Gravity Rush, you really? would have a hard time finding it. Yeah. I, think I um, might have a copy. I'll take a look now. You keep talking. I'm going to keep a look. <laughs> yeah. So Gravity Rush is this interesting game where you play this girl that has this power to be able to not quite fly, but like float upwards. <laughs> It's kind of hard to explain. And then you start gaining these other abilities to be able to go in different directions. Um, and then you can do like, you can hit somebody or fly into them or whatever. I haven't gotten that far into the game yet, but it is a very interesting game with a lot of interesting mechanics. So I'm, I'm really interested in getting into that game further. Um, and then another game, Cody, which if you remember, um, I started playing on the switch and I know you like this one a lot was sky force. Oh yeah. Um, do you remember that one, that little shmup where like, it's almost like a roguelike though, where, yep. you know, you get defeated and you got to uh, do a certain objectives that's on the Vita as well. And so I downloaded that and was playing that. So I just want to highlight a couple of the games I've been playing a lot on here and, uh, and loving. So that's that. And there's so much, I still haven't gotten to Tim. Like I haven't even loaded the fake Oh eight, the Pico eight kind of yeah. emulator on here. I haven't even done that yet, but I want to. And then also none of the emulators, like the C64 emulator, I loaded up um, Paradroid on there, played that a little bit. And then like, I, I just haven't had time to go back to it, but I'm, I'm going to start using that kind of as my mobile. I've been taking it to my daughter's volleyball games. Like that's the system I'm using the most. So thank you for that, Tim. That's really awesome. So, so I think um, Pajaco on, uh, on uh, discord the other day, I think he said, uh, I think it was yesterday he said, is it that kind of like taking over the Ambernick mantle now? Yes. Yes, exactly. And I think it will I've eventually, once I get off my butt and actually load the emulators and try them out and figure out how the save states work. Cause that's really the, the killer app for me on the Ambernick or RG351 is it's really the just emulators, but the save states I appreciate because of my lifestyle, like playing games 10 minutes at a time. I'd like to just save the state go do something else, come back, play half an hour, save state, go back. That's the way my life has to go. So if a system can do that and it's on a beautiful screen, like on the PS Vita, then that's the one I'll, I'll use. Well, I think save states are on RetroArch, and that's available on, yep. the, on the Vita. I haven't, I haven't got that configured. That's been one of my main things I wanted to try and do this month, but I, ha I just haven't got to it yet, but yep. it's, gonna be there <laughs> absolutely and also just as an aside i am i promise i promise i'm going to get that video out in the next <laughs> week or two. yeah it's been people have been chomping at the bit for that on yeah. twitter and discord really and like hey where is this yeah. i will get it i will get it i will get it 
And I'll just mention while you mentioned that, remember the uh, 10 mark video we did for the crown jewel, Tim, where we were on video. I still yeah. haven't gotten that video out because right, okay. like you said, I, I've been just way too busy and video to me sucks. I hate dealing with video. I hate video editing. <laughs> I, I just hate it. So it's like, I, I need to, I need to get better at that. So not to be a one upper, but my Vectrix video has been almost a year at this point. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, we're what? definitely an audio <laughs> podcast primarily and video second. Definitely. Yep. We'll get there. We'll get there. Sorry guys. Yep. <laughs> is what it is. But if I could uh, take that retro and rewind it a little bit, Eric, Tim, what would I get? Uh, you would get um, the <laughs> not SD, even trying anymore. Well, the IDE and SD card adapter um, that Frank very kindly sent me to test. Frank uh, from RetroRewind.ca. I waited eagerly for this thing, and um, it it got delivered. Uh, but I've recently I've been going back into the office to work, which is a strange concept. Wow, though. <laughs> um, and it got delivered on a day where neither myself nor my wife was actually at the house. Um, and then my le- it went back to my local post office department, which now kindly only opens for like two hours a day, unless it's a Thursday, um, <laughs> which is really nice. Um, so eventually I managed to pick it up last Thursday got it home all excited unwrapped it yeah got my 1200 out started um ripping that apart got the the cf card in there and all that sort of stuff and sd card switched it on and nothing couldn't get anything going out of it so i thought okay well maybe i just need to uh, get a new image sorted so i spent ages learning um uh, this imaging program i can't remember what it's called now wbfd or something like that um, it works off of uh, scripts. Uh, you can put packet extra packages into it, and then it, it's basically. I don't know if you've done the. Have you done the uh, classic workbench install, Eric? Yes, I have. I, yeah. I, I did it once or twice, and and uh, haven't had to do it in a long while. But yeah, I've done it. Yeah. So essentially it builds those kind of like installers. So easy yep. installers. So it puts in Arshi for your workbench discs and then puts in the options for the added packages. Um, so it kind of like builds that up. So anyway, um, I got all that sorted, got the SD card ready. A si- Frank very kindly sent me a 16 gig um, SD card as well with it. Oh, nice. Um, so I got all that sorted. Again, got it back in the 1200 wouldn't boot wouldn't come up with anything hmm. so i got got back onto frank um and uh i sent him some uh detailed pictures of of the of the unit that he got and then he comes back and he goes oh man that's really bad i sent you my very early prototype which oh no <laughs> oh wow <laughs> so anyway he, yeah, frank is gonna send 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 me over another one but um yeah that's too it, funny <laughs> it's, it's cool though because i mean apparently i think uh josh at 48k ram and doug 10 mark uh they both got uh versions as well and uh, I know that Josh looks like he's been getting some really good performance out of them because what makes this one difference is it's buffered. Um, so it's uh, going to give a, that bit of extra performance on the ID bus because the ID bus isn't great on the 600 and 1200. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that one going. So thank you very much, Frank. That's awesome. Very cool. 
Speaking of broken stuff, um, no, <laughs> I decided uh, to buy a new Nintendo product for the first time, like ever, um, because I had a gift card. So I said, you know what? I'm going to treat myself to just a good solid Mario game because they're just always entertaining and good. And I got the um, a two pack that two, two pack that came out that was uh, Super Mario 3D World plus the new game uh, Bowser's Fury. Yeah, and I got it physical because I like physical. I've seen that. Yeah, and I haven't played the the main game, which is Super Mario 3, 3D World, but I played Bowser's Fury because it's dark and fiery and it just looks more entertaining. And I already uh, played it till the credits. So, um, wow, it's not a terribly what long game. That's, it's shorter. What yeah. was that? What did you think of the game? I mean, overall. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. So when you finish the game, there's kind of like after game. The, the game is interesting. It's like this open world 3D Mario game. You're always in, in basically one large open area. And yeah. it's all these little islands in the middle of this water. And you're just, you know, each island kind of has, kind of like any good Mario game, five different, they call them cat shines, but they're these items you have to collect. And of course, there's coins. You get 100 coins, you get a life. Um you can wear cat suits, which allow you to climb. You can get like the uh, Boomerang Brothers costume, which allow you to throw boomerangs. Um, but it's a good, solid 3D Mario platformer uh, with hidden coins and hidden stars and things. And uh, long story short, you just kind of play through this and collect enough of these things uh, to once you get to 50, you get to fight Bowser for the final time. And when you beat him, you beat the game. But then when the game is over, you can also get collect another 50 of these cat shines. And when you get to 100, you've got, you know, now you've 100% of the game. So I'm at that nice. point of the game, basically, where uh, when I feel like it, I'll hop in there and try to get a few more at a time. And I'd like to try to get to 100, but there's no real reason to outside of being a completionist. So um, so how would you rate that out of 13 Nintendo cease and desist letters? Uh, 11. 11 cease and desist. T- 10 and 1... Um, gentleman named bowser in jail um <laughs> excellent excellent but but there is one weird part of the game which is actually creative and annoying but it makes the game what it is and kind of fun yeah. which is that you'll be playing and every like six and a half minutes you're, you're playing at sunny and there's happy music all of a sudden giant evil bowser comes out of the water with it you know all black and oil and spitting fire and it's raining and the music changes and for a minute and a half he's shooting fireballs and stuff at you while you're trying to do all these things and just making your life living heck basically yeah um and if you can collect one of those cat shines while he's out it'll scare him away and he'll run off but that just keeps happening throughout the whole game yeah. so there'll be certain points where like my gosh it's annoying get out of here <laughs> <laughs> but also the game wouldn't have any challenge without it so it's okay. fun. I was going to say, does it make it that more difficult for no reason? But obviously, it just adds the element of uh, challenge to it. Then it does. And if you really want to just hide for a minute and a half, you can. But I enjoy it. Now I'm going to play the 3D World one. So, which is based off of the Bowser's Fury is based off the other game. It's the same engine. Yeah. Cool. So Switch games. We're switching up. We're switching up to. Uh... Kirby. So this is this is just going to be my like a uh, switch thing for the month. Um I I played through the Kirby demo which is Kirby in the what is it? Forgotten Island, is that the name of it? I think that's the name of it. 
<laughs> we'll go with that. We'll go with that. I should, I should, I should have really done more research on this. Uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Island, I think, is that there's a demo out for the game now, and the game's out now if you want to go buy it. Um, I played through the demo, and I did enjoy it, but um, I'm starting to get more like Cody, like where like I, I, I it's hard for me to buy full-priced games nowadays. So, um, you know, with Kirby, I love Kirby, but and they did they did a lot of really right things in the game, like especially with the when you move Kirby into like a 3D zone, like a 3D um, platform, because it's still got to be a platforming game. So there was a couple like really nice things they added, like like aim assist, but you don't really notice it. But when you're trying to aim, it'll kind of snap into like enemies when you're firing, but not not complete. So it's not like you it, it, it's brainless where you're just firing and it's it's hitting things. It it just does a little a lot of nice little things to make it nice. I think it was I think it's the right mix. They really did a great job. The game is beautiful. I just I have a hard time spending sixty bucks on 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 this game. So I'm probably not going to buy it right away. But if it ever goes on sale, I'll probably grab it because I do like Kirby games. It's a lot of fun. Um, but I played through the demo right to the end. Um. Problem with Nintendo Another games game is I grabbed was Slipstream for the Switch. Uh, really quick, Nintendo games yeah. don't don't when they go on sale they go from sixty to like fifty, right? And then they go right back up and they never go lower. So yeah, well, percent off, <laughs> which is why honestly, which is why I bought very few and I, I would love to own them. Luckily, yeah. Doug Doug gave me a used Mario Kart eight for twenty bucks or whatever it was. Um, so I I own that, but like I'd love Odyssey. I'd yeah. Breath, Breath of the Wild. I bought from some some kid who was reselling it. You know, two years after it came out for thirty bucks on Craigslist. So I don't know. I'm either I'm cheap or Nintendo is losing money by never discounting their games. But realistically, I think enough people buy them. They're probably making a ton of money because of it. But hey, right. And I, I've done not for me. Send Odyssey over to you in the next box because I've got it and never use it. <laughs> send that over to you <laughs> and i beat it and like i i don't think i'll ever replay it and nobody here wants to replay it so i mean i've got a copy of that too and i loved odyssey there i thought go. it was an amazing game so i'll borrow it from eric and give it back to you when i beat it that way you don't have to pay for shipping tim <laughs> so the other game i got was one that i'd been waiting for for a couple of months um and it had come out on pc before but it's called slipstream and it's finally out on switch it is a very 90s looking racer. So if you like the car racing games, kind of like Outrun, but with a little, a bit of the classic upgrades to it, um, this is the game for you. It's a lot of drifting. Um, I have only gotten to play maybe an hour of it so far, but I've been really enjoying it. Um, a lot of nice little, uh, I don't know, visual enhancements to the typical 90s games. Um, a lot of different, you know, different cars you can drive and stuff like that. It, 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 I mean, if you really like the nineties games, the nineties style games, and this would be for you, but if, and especially if you like drifting, cause the really game is, is kind of wrapped around the drifting mechanic. Yeah. Um, but it, it, so far I've, I've been having a lot of fun with it. I need to get back to it. It, I will say that so far it's kind of tough. Like it's not the easiest kind of racing game out there. So, no, it, it it looks looks pretty cool. Looks like um, I don't know. Uh, Outrun Lotus, probably third. Yeah, third gen Outrun. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Looks good. 
So I've been enjoying it. Hmm. That's hmm. it for the Switch for me. Now we're going to switch to something else. Yeah, we're going to switch to the PS4. Okay, <laughs> here we go. And uh, you have a copy of it now, so you will yes, be I able do. to partake in this. Yep. Uh, so I've been playing some Gran Turismo 7. Um, and this is sort of like my, my go-to game in the evenings when I just need to zone out from everything else. Um, I just, uh, pop this in and, uh, play this for, for, for a couple of hours or so. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been a really, really great game, but, um, luckily they've got over this now, but, uh, there was a lot of bad press about it recently. Uh, they released, I think it was update 1.09, um, and they pretty much ruined the game for most huh. people. Wow. Uh, part of the, uh, I guess, the mechanic of Gran Turismo is that you have to grind out the game. Um, so when you're getting through some of the... Uh, you, you can go through, obviously you do the license, you've got arcade racing, but then you've got sort of like the main game, which is sort of like the, the missions. And, um, in this one, you go to, uh, the cafe and, uh, the guy there, can't remember his name, Jose or something like that, um, in the cafe gives you different missions to do. Um, so he'll say, right, I want you to go and get these three cars and to get these three cars, you, this is going to be your collection. So like a Ford collection or a Lamborghini collection or something like that. And to get those three cars, you've got to win three races. Um, so uh, obviously you can then um, get those competition races, which give you so many credits. Um, and, you know, part of the, the game is that you want to win those races as easy as possible which means that you want a car and it's going to be tuned out to the max with the certain what they call the pp which i think stands for powerpoints um anyway i i digress what happened is is they balked you being able to earn credits from replaying the missions if you see what i mean so they they took down the level of the credits on replay um, and they changed some of the other, um, tuned some of the other dynamics in there whereby, um, you can get, uh, cars. Um, so you some, had to win, you had to win using cars. skill rather than just playing and losing over and over again. Uh, no, no, no. It's, it's more about because, because what you want to do in, in Gran Turismo, and again, it's when you've kind of like been through all the missions and all that sort of thing, you want to then get the cars that you're missing. So the only way that you can do that is to earn credits in the game or buy them outright. Yeah. So what they wanted to do is they wanted to make those cars almost unobtainium, like the, oh, the really? level cars. So you had to have like, I don't know, 20, 30 million credits just for one car hmm. because they wanted to kind of like have that rarity value to to it. I can see it, but it, it kind of goes against the, the Gran Turismo ethos, you know, that you want to complete your collection. And yes, you have to do a certain amount of grinding to, to just go out and find a, find a race like, um, I don't know, a high speed uh, circuit, uh, racing against, um, I don't know, group three cars or something like that. And it earns you a hundred thousand credits per race. So you can do that 10 times over and you get yourself a million credits. 
Um, but what they were doing is they were bulking that. So they were putting that percentage off when you'd actually completed the mission the first time and uh, other things like that. Anyway, so uh, they, they did this update. And also they had a period of time, I think it was like 24 or 48 hours where the servers were completely down. Now, this is this was the killer for me. Um, is that when the when the Gran Turismo servers are off, you literally get arcade mode and this music mode or whatever it is, is when you when you first play the game, when you first load up the game, it's setting the game up. And then you the only way that you can play is in this music mode game. So anyway, uh, it's it, it basically good. if the PlayStation servers are not available, it is like one twentieth of the game is available to you, and that was yeah. really, really bad. And that was a ve- and that was forty eight hours that the servers were down for. Um, so they they got that sorted. So okay, but I think part of that was also due to they were re implementing some of the stuff because what happened is people were really bummed out about this update. Yeah. So they sorted it out again in another update after that. Um, so you did the update, the servers were down, then you would have to do then another update, um, to sort everything out. So they put out an apology and they, they sorted some of the things out and they also gave you a, a, a million credits to say sorry and all that sort of stuff. So, sorry. It's sorted out. so they've, they've, they've got it, they've got, they're back on track. Um, but anyway, that's, that's my Gran Turismo 7 moan out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the game we just gave you, Eric. Enjoy. Awesome. Yeah. No, but you will enjoy it because it's sorted now. You 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 don't have to go. I went through that pain, so you don't have to. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No, it's funny because what I've always loved about Gran Turismo in the past, and the, I haven't played six, but I played five a ton. Um, was honestly, I loved starting out. I loved starting with some garbage little, uh, you know, Korean car and doing little races at like fifty miles an hour and just finding the racing lines and beating all the other, you know, Kias or whatever by a second. And then, and then you finally save up to get a sweet, like Toyota Corolla, which is like twice as fast. And then you, when you actually start getting to some, like some legit cars, it's, I mean, you, you get excited. Like you're constantly, you're not just playing to say, cool, I won that. Let's go play another one and win something else. You're like, I want the car because each car feels so different. I want to like, experience all these cars you feel like you own Absolutely, the cars yeah yeah so anyways i'm excited to get it i just, and... I just bought myself my first ferrari <laughs> there you go which, which one was it uh i think it was the it's like the 308 like the magnum pi ferrari or are we talking like no, no, modern ferrari in this might have been the 360 or something along those lines but modena so, yeah yeah it's it's awesome it, it, cool uh, you know take nothing away from the game it's fantastic i love gran turismo but you know they they did mess up but they sorted it they listened to the people which is good that's that's the important thing listen to the players anyway well i'll talk about a little bit this more later but really quick my driving game that i picked up was wrecked because i saw eric picked that up a while back and it looks so cool to me and i'll be honest with you it's not what i thought it was i was fully expecting like this over the top demolition derby arcade like you know you fly all over the place and crash into things and destruction you get points for it or whatever it's a legit simulator <laughs> it is it is it is it is i mean it, at its core it's a racing 
it's a racing simulator. Yeah. With, with some like destruction derby stuff in there, like a little bit, but not, not a ton. But all the, um, all the racing you're allowed, I mean, you, the, the AI and everything is set up where they're going to try to bang into you and push you off yeah. the course. Yep. So it's definitely its own thing, but it's um, a lot of dirt and uh, some track. And then there's some pure demolition derby stages where you're just getting, you know, the goal is just to be the last car standing or to destroy three cars. Um, yep. But it's, it's, you know, if you were expecting action packed, I mean, I do, I do like it. But if you're expecting action pack arcade racing, this is not that. This is a simulator, so it's actually very realistic. And therefore, if you're expecting that, it's very slow. Um, yeah. But it is funny because they don't have any licenses or anything, so you'll be racing in cars that you, you're pretty sure you know what it is, but they don't have the real name of the car. That's right. Um, so you can just beat the crap out of it, and nobody's going to complain. Yeah, yeah, and it's they're all painted funny, and they have weird sayings on them and stuff. And when you update it, the when you update and you know parts on your car, all it updates is your acceleration, yeah, um, or your or your ability to withstand damage. But I was having a good time with it. And the other one I downloaded finally, and I had a blast playing it a little bit, but I haven't gotten stuck onto it yet. Is uh, Rocket League finally? Oh, finally, cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, I my son was into it a lot for maybe three months he was playing it a lot i never got super into it but i do have it on the switch um i i just never got super into it but i think it's really cool i like watching videos of people playing yeah like a lot it, of their trick shots and stuff like that ha, have you played fun. it much i sorry i played it for a while and you have to get to like a level 20 or something before they'll let you play online games right and I, I never got to the point where i played enough to get to that but i was having fun time just playing the computers and uh you know, it's it's soccer done with, um, yeah, cars. It's, it's not easy either. It's, car I mean, soccer. it's not easy. It's not easy to be good. But when you watch the videos of like kids playing, it's uh, it's amazing how good some of the kids are playing this. I mean, it's a great. It's a it's a fun game. Yeah, but even playing it, like if you get one assist, something you feel really good about it. You know. Yeah. It's it's cool. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I played that for a flash, Eric. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about Sega. Talk about Sega. I, I always want to hear the So I was on Twitter just hanging out like I do sometimes. And there is a guy that I that I'm friends with on Twitter named Nathaniel Lockhart. And he said that he had a a batch of um, Sega game gears that were that he had recapped and were going to sell. So he gave me a super deal on one, and here it is the the beefy Sega game gear. I I, I don't I've never haven't had one of these. Um, do you guys have one of these? They're huge. I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, so I, I never game gear. I never had one of these, and when I got it, I was frankly surprised how big it was. I don't think I've ever actually played one of these. Yeah, they're chunky. Um, they eat batteries as well. They, yeah, exactly. I have some some uh, rechargeable ones in here right now. They are very much so, like the the handheld video game version of the Sega Genesis controller, just like puffy, in my opinion, oversized kind of. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This like, thing is so heavy. Like trying to like. <laughs> play this for an extended like if you are using like a game boy or 
or anything really, Wonder Swan, anything. This thing is like, I mean, it's it, <laughs> it's so heavy and it's so large. It's pretty amazing that kids actually played this for any amount of time, which is probably a good thing that the batteries didn't last long because <laughs> kids would be getting like a... Well, the kids that played it, it were, were next to the wall with it plugged in with the adapter, so... Exactly, exactly. Um, so that when this one arrived, I mean, it's not in perfect shape. The screen's a little scratched up, but that's pretty easy to fix. But it works great. Yeah. Um, and so for my birthday, I told my wife that I would like a flash cart. So I got a little uh, oh, game nice. flash cart. Nice. Yep. Uh, um, put that in there, played a few games. I, I'm a little disappointed in the screen. I know that the Sega Game Gear was kind of... Oh, it's terrible. It, yeah, it was, was known for its, for its time for having a color kind of a bigger color screen, but it's not a great screen at all. So um, I'm, that's going to be my next mod is going to be yeah. getting another screen for this. And I've done, I've done screen mods on my, you know, Game Boy Color, my Wonder Swan. I'm ready to do one on this. So this is going to be my next project after I get done with some of these other ones that I'm working on. When I'm put a new lens for it so it's not scratched up. I'm going to get like some kind of LCD on there. When you do that, let me know because I want to double everything you you buy. Um, okay, I have a Game Gear. I never bought the the flash cart for it because my Game Gear came with like thirty games, so I have like more than wow. half more than half the library when I got it. Um, and I got it, you know, I I, I want to say I paid like sixty five bucks for it with thirty games or something long, you know, five six years ago. Yeah. Uh, I know they've gone up a bunch now, but. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't played much of it primarily because I the screen was so bad. I'm like, I think I need to recap this thing. And so I opened it up. I bought a cap kit and I recapped the whole thing myself. And the screen looks the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so I, I re- <laughs> It's just that bad. So Nathaniel recapped the one I have. And the screen still flickers a little bit. Like not a flicker. It's almost like it dims and gets brighter, dims and gets brighter. Um and it's just not a very good screen. I mean, it's just not, it, it, it's really not good to look at. So I watched some videos and some of the mods make, you can, you can drop these, these, vid, these LCDs in there and, and it looks incredible. So I think you can, you can make these, you can, you can do really big improvements with, with not a lot of money. Yeah. So does it, with the, um, the SD adapter, does that allow you to play the Master System games as well? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. I, I didn't no. see that at least. There was a um, Master System adapter for the for the game for the game gear, so I didn't know whether that had any stuff in it or whether that was just literally an adapter for the cut to to be able to plug the cartridges in. Because the technology is very, very close, isn't it, to the Master it System? It is. Yeah, it's so very actually, close, yeah. So so yeah, I I believe um you're right, Tim. I, I would believe that you should be able to pl- use that to play Master System games on the Game Gear as well, because I know it doesn't work the other way around, because the Master System only had, like, 32 colors or something, whereas the Game Gear had, like, 256. Yeah. So the Game Gear is actually more capable than the Master System, even though it had has a small, I think, a, a slightly... No, it's the same resolution and everything. Yeah. I think that was the big difference, so... I, I, th- I, think, I think that should work. I think you can, yeah. The other thing that they did, um, and I think it was, I'm pretty sure it's an official one, is that they brought out um, uh, a TV tuner for it as well. 
Yeah. I don't know if you guys, yeah. Did you have that over there? Yeah. Um, yep. So you could plug it, plug it in and it had one of the big old school sort of like big long aerials that you <laughs> that call you them bunny ears friends yeah. eyes out with. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I remember selling those. Um, what was the other add-ons for it? Um, oh, there was a, the, there, there was an extended life battery pack as well, I think. Um, yeah. Which is that you actually put on like your belt. Yes, it's actually like a pack you put on your belt and plugged into the battery to pour yeah, it on the back. Yeah. <laughs> See, I used to have one of those from my Sony Walkman. You've just reminded me of that. <laughs> a really cool little white Sony Walkman. And then there was an official, uh, it plugged into the AC port at the bottom, the adapter port at the bottom. And you put in like two of the great big barrel batteries and you can yep. clip that onto your belt next to the Walkman. <laughs> So you could look really cool, as yeah, you said. Really cool with that, yeah. So sort of like walking one sided with two great big batteries on the side. <laughs> your side. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, we, we, I think so, Eric. We think that you should be able to play Master System games. So it might be worth just dropping a couple of SMS ROMs in there and see if it'll work. I'll try it. I'll try it out. Why not? I, I like. I, I haven't messed with it too much because I was trying to plan the screen model for it. But yeah, I'll, I'll try it out. Okay good stuff yeah well tim's so got issues but the nes the yeah. nes ain't one curse you nes <laughs> oh no what happened <laughs> no no i love i love the nes um yeah i i coming up we've got our battle of the systems and for that i needed to dig out my nes because i actually have the physical copy of the game that we played um have we mentioned that so far yeah, yes. you can go ahead and yeah, mention yeah. it. So I, I have a physical copy of RC Pro-Am, which I bought before NES games went absolutely loopy in price. So I think I only paid about seven, eight pounds for this one, I think. Yeah. Um, so I, I dug, dug my NES out and it had a bunch of cartridges because I don't have an SD solution for this one. Uh, and I thought, oh, well, while I've got it, getting it out, I might as well get the game, the other games out and try those out. And of course, I had the same, uh, the, the age old issue that you plug, push the cartridge in, push it down, turn it on, and the screen just flashes each time. Flashes yeah. pink. Um, and I'm like, I can't get this thing going. So I was cleaning the cartridges and whatever. Um, and nope. No, it didn't work. I, I, the, the, these edge connectors on the cartridges were fine. I didn't really want to dig into it and start opening up the console and all that sort of thing. So then Cody kindly said, well, why don't you just wiggle the cartridge in the slot? I think it was. Um, <laughs> so I literally just pushed the cartridge in and just like with one finger, just slightly move it to either the left or the right, turn it on and boom, the cartridge comes up. There you go. <laughs> So I don't know what exactly the problem is is with my NES, but it's, they all it's do working that. and I was able to get it going. But I think I probably need to either replace the um, it, it cartridge mechanism inside because I think it's just like a, a – is it like a two – interface it's, adapter that plugs into the it's literally yeah the, it's basically an, an adapter that takes the, the pins on the actual motherboard face backwards yeah and it basically takes those goes up an inch and then puts them forward and you're that's yeah. what you're plugging into they call it the what do they call it the um 72 pin connector or whatever so something like that it, that was the first thing i did on my nes when i got it my my nintendo entertainment system yeah so Shouldn't. here's my suggestion either way you have to open it the same and pull that thing off Yep. You can either put a new one on, which a lot of them are, are, are like grab really, really tight to the games now. The new ones do. Yeah. Um, 
I literally took mine that I've had since I was a kid. I took that connector off, and it sounds like voodoo, but it's not. I threw it in a pot of boiling water for five minutes and pulled it out, and it works great. It's worked great oh, for wow. about okay. about six years now. Okay. It just boiled I'll, off I'll all the crud. That. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get that sorted. Which is strange, Super really, easy. because it's kind of like got the front, adapt, you know, the front port over it. So you'd think that that would probably be all right. Yep. Um, and it's been in a sort of like a plastic storage tub for forever. This thing, so I don't know. Yeah, I'll see, it's an I'll easy fix. I'm telling you that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So I'll be quick about this, even though this is the biggest thing I did. Uh, long story short, you guys got, well, Tim got Gran Turismo 7, and Eric got it now. I want to get it. But um, I started getting all excited about it, and I had an old wheel for my PlayStation 3 we talked about before, uh, which doesn't do me any good anymore. Sold that, got a few bucks for it, and got a wild hair. And long story short, ended up buying a full-on racing rig. <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, I can go into all kinds of details, but I found a great deal online for uh, the PlayStation 4 Logitech, where they call it a G923. It's the newest, latest, and greatest one. Yeah, I can confirm um, that because I've got the box for it. <laughs> do you have the box? Yeah, yeah. That's the one. So, um, and uh, But then to, the racing rig I bought locally was a great deal, and it came with a G920 Xbox Logitech racing rig. Which was interesting because it came complete with the wheel and the pedals, but it also came with the shifter stick. But the shifter stick had swapped out the knob for this aftermarket 18-wheeler rig where it has like seven buttons for like simulating driving an 18-wheel, like if you want to call it a lorry, Tim, or we'd call it an 18-wheeler. So it's, you know, I I could go through 18 different gears or whatever, but it was so tall and, and weird it wouldn't work for what I wanted. It's purely for like... American truck uh, simulator or farm simulator or one of those kind of games. Uh, so actually, you know, it's funny. I, I'm talking about it. Ugh. I still have it actually right here. So here's the thing. And it's got like this switch here and there's a switch here and there's a button up here and it's oh, huge. <laughs> and it's yeah. got its own separate USB. Anyways. Yeah. So long story short, I kept the rig, sold the Xbox setup. Sold my existing Logitech setup, bought the a used uh, G923, which is the newest, latest, and greatest Logitech one, and by the time I'm done with all that, I'll be about break-even, so it would have been roughly free. <laughs> Good stuff. That's what yeah, I'm, so I'm excited cool. about that. And, uh, yeah. and uh, I went online and started downloading all the games that would work for it, especially all the ones that worked with the new G924, they, or 923, they call it True Force. So it has some kind of special feedback specific to only a few games actually have it, including Gran Turismo 7. Um, haven't played a game that uses it yet because all I've played so far, and I'm just addicted and digging into it, is the game I was just talking about, which is Wrecked, which I am almost complete. I've played almost every single and uh, single one and came in first in every single race at this point. I'm awesome. a half a championship away. So... Um, and then I'll be able to play a real racing game, not just one where you bang into people. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Good stuff. That is awesome. So, yeah, really quick. I got Dirt 2.0. I got Project Cars and a couple other ones. So, uh, And then soon Gran Turismo 7. So I'll be trying all of those. We'll be able to race together at some stage. Yes. Yes. You know how uh, I tend to keep things. I don't really sell a lot of things. I, I keep them. Project Cars was a, 
a game I bought and I sold it after about two weeks. <laughs> I sold it. <laughs> no, nope. couldn't do it, huh? I did not like Project Cars. It, it did. There was, it did not handle well for me. Now I don't have a wheel and stuff. I just had a joystick. But I was really looking forward to that game, and it, it, to me, I couldn't, I couldn't control it worth huh. beans. So I ended up selling it. Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll yeah. see. Well, hopefully, you, you'll probably have a better experience with it. So cool. So my next thing. Um, so I went to. Um, I, I hung out with a with with a, with a buddy of mine that I talked about on the show before his name is jesse and we used to play atari 5200 together we used to play all sorts of video games together and he mentioned to me that his original atari 5200 which i had played on before because i'd go to his house and we play atari 5200 so this this is the answer to you tim because you were mentioned on twitter you were hoping that this was my childhood one and it's not quite but it is one that I have played. I played on when I was a kid in sixth That's grade. That's crazy. That's pretty close. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, so he gave this. Uh, he was like, "Hey, I dug this out of my garage, and it was in bad shape, and it still needs some serious cleaning up." So, I, I'm, I do plan on doing that. But it's an Atari fifty two hundred, and um, it had some damage. The RF cord the RF cord is built into this thing. So it comes out of the mm -hmm. back and it like plugs into your RF modulator. Um, it's not one that plugs into the back. So what somebody did, and you think it was his cousin just literally took scissors and cut the cable off. So it, 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 it had a cut RF modulator, no big deal because I wasn't going to use that anyway. Um, so I opened it up and I did a composite mod. You can probably see, see the yeah. port over there. Nice. So, um, I basically spent uh, just a day on the weekend. And I kind of learned something. I've learned something about myself. Who? Who? Oh, you know. Do, 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 do. Um, I learned that because for some reason, because I'm always lacking time, like I try to rush like these projects that I do, like fit it into an hour or two hours or whatever. I decided that I'm going to take a full day and do this mod. So literally like for an hour, I just desoldered the stuff I needed to desolder. And then I walked away and I went and did something else. And then I came back and soldered what I needed to solder. And then I came back and then I drilled holes in the case. And then I came back. So it took me all day just off and on to do this. And I did a very clean, nice job. And it worked the first time. Like I plugged it in the composite and it works fine. The audio works fine. Um, the only problem now is that I plugged a controller in and the, the controller he gave me and it's, it is beat to crap. I mean, all this those controllers, controllers don't work. Yeah. I, that's what I've and heard from everybody. It is. This one doesn't work at all. Like none of the buttons, I couldn't start a game to test it. So I have to go find an Atari 5200 controller that I can actually test this thing out. I haven't fully tested it yet, but the composite works, the audio works. So, so luckily I'm, I'm that far away from it. And it, 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 and I'll to be honest with you. I mean, this 5200 is not in good shape at all, but it, it seems to play well. And he, Oh, and he gave me like maybe about 25 cartridges with it. Nice. Perfect. Perfect. It, it, for, you know, it doesn't matter really when something is of that uh, vintage for you and you know it, and it doesn't really matter about the condition, does it? It's, it's just, no. that's, that's got history. 
Yeah. Um, so that and ha- to have all those, I mean, how many did they actually release for the fifty two hundred? It wasn't that many. So you must have most of the collection already. Yeah. I mean, there's not that many games. I think there's a total of sixty or eighty games, something right around that number. Um, and he's got quite a bit of them. And in fact, I remember these cartridges because I go over his house and play them, like Joust, and but yeah. he has Berserk, which is one of the more uh, kind of one that wasn't that popular back then. Uh, and I had River Raid. He didn't have River Raid. So now I have to dig up River Raid. I'm going to go look for an original cartridge for River Raid. And the thing um, is, the uh, cartridges are super cheap for that because almost yeah. none of the systems actually, the super systems awesome. work, but the, the joysticks don't. Yeah. That's right. So nobody yeah. can play any of those games. So there's an abundance of games um, where you're going to have to put the money is into getting those joysticks working. So I know that I can't remember the name of it. I have the catalog back here with the Atari guy out of the Bay Area here. That's Best Electronics. Best Electronics. He has yep. like a, a rebuild kit, basically replaces yep. the guts of those things with all new stuff, but it's not cheap. <laughs> it's not but, cheap, and it wouldn't replace the kit solution then for that. Yep. It uses yeah, the original, it's, it's plastic, original plastic, but it no, basically it, replaces it, the guts. No one's created like a, a, a an aftermarket one, as in you know a, a different type of controller for it. Then, I mean, Not I know really. the, I know Not the retro Game Boys have one, but it's like a full-on yeah. joystick with a like a phone number pad on it. It's very unique. And it's very expensive. It's a yeah. big, he made, it's almost think of like a big, like an arcade box you'd make with a joystick and buttons and stuff. Like 200 it's bucks like or something. that, but for the 5200, it has a little keypad on it and stuff like that. Uh, but otherwise, no, they like, like back in the day, like remember Wico, they came out with the command center for it that had a little game pad with it, but they're very hard to find now. Um, and otherwise, the only other peripheral for the 5200 was the trackball. You can get a track, this big thing as big as the console that was a trackball. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a 5200 in the flesh. I, I don't re- remember. Ginormous. Over here. No, yeah, they're huge. I mean, it's like, wow, that's massive. And the funny <laughs> thing is the one my, my buddy gave me here is a two port one that has two controller ports. But the one I had as a kid had four on the front. And it was bigger, physically bigger than this one. So it's it's um, they, they're huge, they're just gigantic, which is which is a problem because if you have a lack of space, they're not the easiest thing to collect for. So yeah, yeah. Speaking of uh, collections, what's going on, Tim, with the last minute PlayStation pickups? Yeah, quite literally. Um, again, another another bargain. Uh, this was on a site called Gumtree. Uh, I was just having a quick browse on that. I think it was Friday evening or something like that. Um, and, uh, I saw a PlayStation on there for 20 pounds. Nice. And, uh, the thing is, is it wasn't just the PlayStation. It was a whole bunch of games. Cool. Um, and I'm thinking, well, that's got to be a scam. Um, but it was, it, it was in the local area. It's only, it's in like the next town, town down to me. Um, so I shot the guy an email and didn't hear anything back. And I was in that town on Sunday, uh, Sunday morning. And, uh, I just decided just to give him a quick call cause his number was on the, on the advert as well. Um, and he said, yeah, still got it. It's available. And I'm like, Whoa. wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll come pick it up. <laughs> so, um, we, we, we were actually going around, uh, what's called a car boot sale. 
over here. Um, so we had a quick wander around that and I was like, yeah, come on, come on, come on. I want to go and get the PlayStation. <laughs> so dove <laughs> off, got the PlayStation and this thing came in like a plastic bag. It was just like, whoa, really nasty. <laughs> uh, um, but anyway, uh, I got a whole bunch of games. So here we go. Some of the games were missing the discs, unfortunately, but oh, uh, shoot. I did phone him and he's actually got a couple of those, but he also found another couple of games. So I'm going to go and pick those up. Um, there you so go. I'll, I'll just go through it quickly. Um, Best of Infograms, Action Man. <laughs> 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 and this one's like, who wants to be a millionaire? By yeah. Woof. Woof. <laughs> uh, yeah. WWF Smackdown. Oh, that's a, that's a fun game. Yeah. That's a fun one. Uh, action Man Destruction. Another Action Man. They love their Action yeah. Man. Uh, and then I've never heard of this. Uh, 40 Winks Conquer Your Dreams. Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually do know that because the. Uh, who's that that just bought that license and is re releasing it on things? You can buy that new right now. Never heard of that. Featuring Rough and Tumble. So I don't know what that one's about. Um, PGA European Tour Golf. Yeah. Do you love me some uh, golf? Medal of Honor, which is one of the discs that's missing, but he does actually have that disc. Yeah, so Shooter. Medal of Honor Underground. Uh, Hidden and Dangerous. No idea. Never heard of, I've never heard of that. Yeah, I've heard of that one before. It's by Illusion Softworks. Uh, theme Park, which has actually got... Oh, the that's a good one. Yeah, so that's, that's a good one. one. Uh, and then Die Hard. Die Hard. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and uh, Die Hard 2 Trilogy. There you go. And there's that's more. All, that's all you need. <laughs> but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Uh, Army Men. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jurassic Park, The Lost World. Uh, Pitfall 3D. Huh. Uh, Rugrats. <laughs> <laughs> and Rugrats. <laughs> more Rugrats. <laughs> there's lots of Rugrats. And funnily enough, Tomb Raider 3. Tomb Raider. Yeah, Tomb Raider 3. Wow. <laughs> uh, V-Rally, which again, unfortunately, doesn't have the disc, and he hasn't uh, got the disc for that. So this is this was literally my reason for picking it up, because I love V-Rally. Oh, uh, shoot. But anyway, I'll, I'll find You opened it, it and you yeah. found a Celine Dion album or something inside? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Spec Ops, Stealth. Portal. I remember that. I do remember yeah, that. I do. I remember that one, too. Uh, the manual for road rash. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, London Racer Two, which actually looks quite good. Um, oh, Mini Cooper. This is yeah. solid. It's really good fun. Just watching the intro. Um, and then uh, Pro Pinball, Fantastic Journey. Oh, um, and it's also got another disc in there, which is the Web. Um, so that's it. Uh, that's the games. That is a chunk of games. Look at that. It's quite a bit of games. Here is the PlayStation itself. With a memory right. card. Um, yeah. so I've cleaned it up a bit, but it's still pretty gnarly. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's been a smoker's machine. Um, so oh. I think I need to really sort of like open it up and clean it up. And Danica actually wants this. So she's going oh, to cool. have this. Oh, that is cool. So this is going to be her machine. Uh, so it's for PlayStation geeks out there. It's The model number is SCPH5552. Uh, does it have the does it have the two the red and white audio no, jack on the back the audio file version i've got my one i've got downstairs that is that's the yep. scp 
0010 or something like that. Um, yeah. So anyway, cool. that was an absolute bargain. I mean, <laughs> those yeah. games alone, you know, it's like £20 each for the games. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. Uh, uh, this will be super quick. Um, I found a game that somebody on Twitter somewhere said this is fun, and it was on sale normally 20 bucks. I bought it for two ninety nine, and it's called Mini Moto Racer uh, X. Everything, it's all been racing games, top-down racing games this, this month. Um, but it's really simple, fun, little top-down racer with a lot of... There you go. There's some gameplay for you. And oh, yeah, I think it, I've seen this one. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a blast. Oh, yeah. I've been having a blast with that. I think I've probably put a good six, seven hours into it already, and I beat the, the easy championships, and now I'm going to start working on the medium. All right. So it's got um, the different views as well. So you can either go top down or, th- or like proper first person. Uh, it's got like seven different views, and honestly, I, I just do the top down. Um, it's actually kind of annoying because the view changes every time. It's really confusing. You kind of do have to change your view to what you like and uh, try to have to fight to keep it there. But outside of that, it's just good fun especially when it goes on sale for three bucks so yeah there you go lots of cars and upgrades and motor racing x that's it i'll uh i'm gonna put it on my wish list see if it'll if it's not if it's two or three bucks i'll buy it right now but if it's not i'll put it on my wish list yeah wait until it goes on sale 90 percent off yep that's it cool i like it excellent you've been playing with that brawler gen now uh eric yeah it's a super t- so cool controller. So here is controller. Uh, the box for that. I got this on a... It wasn't a Kickstarter or anything. They sent me... Retrofighter sent me an email saying, hey, we're coming out with this new uh, controller called the Brawler Gen that works with not only with the Sega Genesis, but also the Sega Saturn. That's a cool color and scheme, too, because it first was all black, I think. Specifically, yeah, exactly. That Like, I really liked this color scheme. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. I think it was twenty nine ninety five. Um, it's kind of like a sand color. Has it got an adapter for the satin version? Is it? No. So the funny thing is it is a Y connector. So it's got to both of them. Ah, okay. Yep. Cool. So it is a Y connector, but here is the controller itself. It has just like the Sega Saturn. It's got six face buttons on it. Um, it has a D pad, but it also has an analog controller. Yeah. So there's a little analog controller on there. So you can play um, 3D Nights into Dreams. Yeah. Yep. And it feels uh, there's a start and a select button a mo- or mode and start. Uh, there's shoulder buttons left and right. So it, it it's a perfect replacement for the Saturn, which is what I wanted because my Saturn controller um, is a little worn out. It's a little, it's like one of the older Saturn controllers. So it's, um, I don't know, it, it, it works okay, but it's not ideal. So I really wanted it for that, but I, I plugged this into my Genesis as well, and it's perfect for the Sega Genesis um, too. Um, I love this color scheme on it, and Retrofighters always makes really good controllers, so it's got, it's got, it's got like some a, weight to it. a sand color with uh, some blue buttons and a couple of black buttons. Yep. Yeah, kind, of, kind of almost matches the color of the uh, the Japanese satin, doesn't it? Exactly, yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyway, that's it. And, and so far, I've I've been using it exclusively for about a month now with my Saturn, and it, I will say it it works perfectly. It's there's no problems with it at all. You got to find a game that's the same on the Genesis and Saturn, so you can try plugging both into one or both into <laughs> yeah. and try to play the game at the same time and see if you can play both versions at, at the same moment. 
Yeah, I wonder if there are any games that are on the Saturn <laughs> and Genesis. That would be interesting. Street Fighter, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tim, you had some adventures, huh? Oh. Yes, yeah. So, um, as I kind of like previously mentioned uh, briefly, it was uh, my birthday recently, uh, turned 50 years old. Oh, oh, I, don't no, it, <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Um, and I, I just wanted to say thank you very much guys. Cause you, um, both of you very generously donated towards my kind of like birthday fund as it were. Um, yeah. so, uh, yeah, thank you very much for that. I, oh, I, didn't, know about, I didn't know anything about it until my actual birthday. <laughs> well, thank <laughs> your I, wife. I she just reached out for us and said, Hey, yeah, you should give me some money so we can do this. We're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I, d- I just wanted to say thank you. Um, I, I had a, a great weekend. Um, we stayed, I think I sent you guys some pictures anyway, but we stayed in a shepherd's hut, which has been, which is Ooh. a brand new one, but it's just basically a shepherd's hut, which is nothing more than sort of like a, a, a kitchen, a shower, a, <laughs> but like a little bathroom and a, and a bed and it pulled down out of the wall. Um, oh, wow. It's, it's, it's really cool. Um, but it's a lovely location, <laughs> just surrounded by fields and alpacas and sheep. And um, yeah, we had a hot tub, so that was nice. Um, but it was it was really cold mornings. But as soon as you got in that hot tub, it was lovely. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I also got a couple of uh, really nice gifts as well. Um, one of them was a, I'll, I'll show you, I think you guys have seen it a bit anyway, but for scale, this thing is huge. <laughs> oh wow a, uh, yeah one, one of my passions is formula one and this is uh, a lego technic mclaren so it's this year's 2022 mclaren in lego form um so this is going to take quite a while to build i think um but uh yeah it's it's massive and it's it's a project for myself and danica so we're we're, we're gonna uh get into that soon that's Fine. awesome that looks Fine. really neat so thank you Cool. Absolutely. Awesome. And Eric, take us home with this one. Yeah, so I'll make this quick so we can get onto our battle. Um, so I went to our local um, game store here in Elk Grove, which is called Legacy Toys and Games. And they always have pretty some pretty nice stuff. Um, I went in there and the guy, the owner was there and he, he was like, he, he, he always recognizes me and he knows that I go for the older weird stuff the, that the he really stuff. can't. <laughs> yeah, that he, he he and he 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 totally explained this. He was like, "Yeah, I saved this stuff for you because it's not stuff I can really sell." Because you know, usually he doesn't. <laughs> he just has the normal Super Nintendo kind of people that come in there and yeah, buy Super Nintendo cartridges or whatever. <laughs> so he said, "Hey, I got this thing set up for you, and it was a Vic Twenty Commodore Vic Twenty. Um, it's the Rainbow Label one, which is the so one cool. I had when I was a kid." Yep. Um, because all the ones I find now are gold label. They have the gold label, which means they're older two prong power supply. Mm-hmm. But, but the one I had as a kid, it had the same power supply as the Commodore 64, mm-hmm. like the round din. Um, I was excited cause it was still in the box, had a manual in it, had a power supply and all that. That's cool. Brought it home. The video was messed up. Like it rolled and it, the colors weren't right. And it, there was some garbage on the screen. So I knew something was wrong, but I, he, he literally only charged me 20 bucks for this. What? Yep. <laughs> and it's like, if you, if you can see, I haven't even cleaned it up yet. It, it, it's in almost immaculate shape. Yeah. So it's, it's a beautiful just for the box. Yeah. And it, the box is in pretty decent shape too. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't have a box for mine. That's cool. Yep. So, oh, if you seriously, Cody, if you want one, I have three Vic Twenty boxes. In my Do you really? <laughs> yeah. So, and and I give you, I'll give you the best one because I don't really collect the boxes. So, anyway, I took it home with the power of the internet and Twitter. Like I was troubleshooting it with everyone. Um, I was I I bought a recap kit, recapped it. That didn't fix it. Um, I reached out to. Um, retro frog on Twitter, which is Todd Gill yep. and super nice guy. And he said, Hey, I have this Vic 20 doesn't work. It's just a donor machine. I'll send it to you for the price of shipping. He did it. I gave him shipping money. He sent it to me. It arrived quickly. I pulled the video chip out and popped it in and boom, the colors were wrong and everything. And, it, and the funny thing is it would show up on the screen and then it, like bright. And then it would dim but I found out there's a little pot like in there, a yep. little potentiometer that I just twisted and it, it right away, boom, perfect colors, no interference. It's a beautiful setup. So now I have a working, cause I still haven't, I, I have a PAL VIC, but I don't have a NTSC yeah, VIC. So, so now I have oh, an NTSC VIC that works perfectly. So now the penultimate that I have works perfectly with it from future was eight bit. Um, it works great. And then the second thing I got at at Legacy because I saw it on the shelf. This is cool. I want to know your yeah. review on this one. So I got the little cube, the Retron SQ, which is oh, nice. uh, a little tiny console that's shaped like a cube mm-hmm. that plays Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance games. Um, the thing that sold it to me was I was reading. I I was like, hey, can I take a look at that? And this was the color I wanted to was the kind of translucent blue with pink buttons. Or Sherbert buttons. I don't know. Purple yeah, and pink ones. Um, he, basically, it said that there's a new firmware for it. it. There was a sticker right on the box that said, hey, new firmware that fixes the Game Boy. So a lot of the Game Boy Advance problems that this one originally had. Um, brought it home. Works like a charm. Looks great on the screen. I don't have that many Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games, but every one I tried worked fine. The problem is that the Evercades do not work on this. Mm. Don't expect it works with the Evercade, does it? No, because it's got an emulator on there and it just won't download the ROM for the emulator and play them. Um, So that doesn't work. So the reason I bought this is I'm kind of hedging my bets on this, that there's going to be a hack for this any day. And I see, I went online, there's a lot of people working on it right now because there is an SD slot in the back that's to do firmware updates. But you can't load games that way right now, but I'm assuming that in the future you will. And, you know, of course you get the, the, the snarky comments on Twitter, like, well, you, I could play Game Boy games on my, on my Raspberry Pi or whatever. And you yes, I can do them one different ways to play things, but it's yeah. And I can, you think. <laughs> yeah. And I have a mister that plays these games just fine. But the truth is, I think it's cool to have a dedicated, I always like dedicated systems. Yeah. Yeah. A little dedicated system for these mobile games that plays perfectly on HDMI. It has a pretty cool little controller that matches the color of the unit. I don't know. I'm pretty, pretty, I'm I'm hopeful that this will get hacked properly. And then I'll be able to just load up games in the back and we'll be off to the races. So I'll give you a future review on this. I might do a little Eric's take on it. Who knows? Sounds good. Cool. But that's it for me. Which means it's now time for Battle of the Systems. (laughs) 
battle of the systems. <laughs> Okay, so our battle this month is Battle of the uh, 3D isometric type racers for the 8-bit consoles. Radio-controlled <laughs> racers, right? They're both RC. Racers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we are battling uh, the classic RC Pro-Am from Rare. And Which is on the NES. Yep. And we are also doing the Sega Master System kind of rival, as it were, RC Grand Prix, which was released by Sega and Absolute Entertainment. Shane go, Cody. Did you hear how he pronounced that? Yeah, so he uh, he didn't roll with the RC Grand Prix. Exactly. <laughs> so, Tim, before you got on, I wanted to tell you, I listened to a podcast with uh, three British fellows. Fellows. And... The guy said "grand pricks," and I was like, <laughs> "I was like," that, and I was like, "That's not right." But maybe it's a British thing. I didn't know, but I was like, "That's not." So I wanted to wait to get because I know you're the man. Like, well, you're, I'm, a, I'm a little frustrated, Eric, because I was fully pr- planning to move forward and pretend like we see grand pricks over here and try to convince Tim that, <laughs> like, that was the plan. <laughs> that was the plan. Oh, sorry i ruined it, I ruined it. <laughs> but Would i'm just glad fun. that i mean this guy just did not say it right so i was like <laughs> that sounds weird okay they, they, they need to put that in errata for their podcast <laughs> tomato tomorrow grand prix grand pricks and the bad news is that this podcast is about probably a hundred times bigger than our podcast <laughs> <laughs> anyway go ahead tim okay Let it rip. Let, let's start with rc pro-am shall we well, real quick, I want to—I'll pull it up here. I just want to point out. So I kind of picked this battle um, because I wanted to play RC Pro Am. I know a lot of people love this game, and it had a—you know—especially. I mean, I don't know about worldwide, but I know a lot of people that love this game. Tim's holding up his copy of it right there. Yeah, um, I think and I, I heard have great a things about it. Yeah. Do you, yeah, and I actually have a copy as well. Mine is actually in a blue, uh, one of those old blue rental cases. You would go to like the local video store, and it just said oh, like, yeah, vi- like video game. Yeah. yeah, it just said video game on the front. Yeah. Um, so I've played this a few times in the past, and just very briefly, uh, like the first level, I, I never knew what all the hype was. And I'm like, nope, I want to dig into it. So is there anything that, that competes against it? And sure enough, on the other 8-bit system is another RC game with a very similar view and everything. I'm like, oh, we gotta, we gotta, I got to run this one because, you know, my hope was to prove everyone wrong and that RC Pro-Am was not the end-all, be-all 8-bit RC racer. But right. we'll find out if that is true or not. Okay. Right. So, <clears throat> are you sitting comfortably, gentlemen? I am. I'm, I'm quite comfortable. I'm ready. <laughs> Okay, so RC Pro-Am was released uh, by, developed by Rare and released by Nintendo in February of 1988. Uh, This, if you don't know, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast, Um, but Rare were uh, originally Ultimate Play the Game. Don't be our elitist. The the Brothers (laughs) Stamper, Chris and Tim. Um, Music was by a fellow called David Wise. Uh, so RC Pro-Am is an isometric out-and-out racer. 
you take on three other competitors who are controlling their RC cars. However, you never really see that element or reference to it. So it's just assumed in either of these games, you never actually see the people controlling the cars in any way, shape or form. <laughs> so although yeah. although you do see and this one particularly a little antenna sticking out of the top of your car yes you do see correct that. and i will say that in the sega master system one in the audience like you see like spectators and some of them oh, really? have the rc <laughs> controllers in their hands right. oh i okay. didn't pay attention cool yeah cool. anyway go ahead okay um the game is played over 32 levels of different track design and difficulty not only will the with the opponents but also uh, with on track obstacles the idea of the game is to win or at least placed third in each race to progress to the next race and increase your overall score to get on the high score table which as cody has done recently as you race the tracks you have to avoid different obstacles on the track like a water puddle when driven through slows the car down oil slick causes tires and this is spelled incorrectly. The, on here, it's spelled T I R E S. That's correct. Not the correct spelling. <laughs> Get slippy and makes the car spin out. Uh, rain cloud, essentially moving a water puddle, shifts back and forth perpendicular to the track. Driving through uh, causes the car to slow down and pop up walls. These hazards are built into the track and the pop-up barrier above the surface of the road um, rotating in fixed time intervals if a car comes into contact with an extended wall it crashes Uh, you can also pick up enhancements to your car as you drive Uh, the last uh, uh, what what am i saying here Uh, last uh, i don't know Uh, and the other the other (laughs) thing that is unique to this game um at the time is the additional weaponry uh, that yeah. you pick up like missiles and bombs missiles are fired from the front and bombs are dropped from the back one thing that i noted about the bombs is they are a tiny little reference um, because they're the shape and design of the bombs in lunar jetman on the spectrum I don't know if you oh. that one up um huh. upgrading the car is done by picking up upgrades upgrade items as you drive around the track um they are higher top speed turbo acceleration and super sticky tires um you can also upgrade your car uh, uh, yes you can also up- upgrade your car so in other words um y- you change your vehicle should i say rather than upgrading the car itself um so this is done by picking up the letters that spell out nintendo uh first you start out with a truck then a van and then finally a race car each time you upgrade your enhancements are rolled into that one car and then you start to collect over each time until you have maxed out the race car there are also turbo boost points on some parts of the tracks um, and they're pretty much essential that you hit those if you want to keep up with the ai cars and uh, progress through Uh, graphics and sound are excellent and this sets it apart in my personal opinion to the sega rival Uh, both versions also suffer from fl- screen flicker. Uh, you also have some continues at game over. So should you place fourth or out, as it says on the screen above you, um, this zeroes your score but keeps your enhancements for your current car. Uh, reviews on this were very good, scoring high wherever it was re- rated. And at the time, it was also listed uh, quite high amongst the best of games ever on the NES. 
Hmm. Uh, Computer and Video Games in October 1989 gave it a 90% review, saying, Outstanding gameplay coupled with clear 3D graphics, a brilliant racing game which should not be missed. But wow, though. Eric, do you agree (laughs) with all that, or do you have any other opinions? I do have some other opinions. Um, I, in general, I like this game a lot. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, if I was to levy any particular criticism about it, it would be that, which is really a criticism of both games, is there is not enough screen real estate to see <laughs> the curves coming. It's a lot now, of isometric racers. Yep, exactly. But, you know, you could make the graphics smaller to give a more forecast of the curves coming up now the nintendo one does a good job by putting arrows a lot of arrows on the the ground like hey this is coming up yeah so it's a little easier to you know to to navigate that um but otherwise um i had a lot of fun with this one it 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 controls pretty well the upgrades you feel the upgrades you know how some games you get upgrades and you don't really feel them like you're like well did i am i going faster or are my tires stickier or whatever this one you feel it like you when you get the upgrades the car handles differently um but otherwise i i did enjoy this one what did you think cody yeah so the first level it does start out pretty boring um at first you kind of have to get used like you like you said the arrows help but you have to get used to the fact that um you're making last minute reactions until you start memorizing the track yeah uh, so you really when the first when it first starts you look down look at the map and just try to memorize it as quick as possible um but That's a lot one, of one, one another point of difference isn't it is you have the map of the track on this one yep you right. have the map shows your mile per hour which is funny because if it's an rc car how is it going 83 miles an hour also, if it's an <laughs> right. RC car, what are these tiny little trees all over the track? Unless they're full-size trees and you're a full-size car. Also, I've never seen an RC car shoot missiles or drop bombs out the back. Um, no, you or, haven't seen mine. And anyway, the RC thing is kind of a, a, a joke. But So this game, that, I mean, it, describing it without playing it doesn't really explain it very much. But it's super drifty. It's a very drifty game. You are sideways in every corner, and the more the better tires you get, the more you don't drift, and it feels more like an actual racing game, um, which makes it easier to to win and feel like you're in control of your car. Um, it's funny though because you'll be driving, and when you hit water puddles, you slow down definitely. When you hit oil slicks, you just spin, but you spin in a perfect 360 where you end up going forward again. Uh, but if you're like spinning, you hit things, you could blow up. Um, just kind of, it, and then the the fact that the the power ups you don't buy them like in so the game I loved racing and um on the NES was Super Off Road, which um which you see the whole track the whole time, right? And you buy modifications and stuff, and you get to choose them in between. This you literally find them on the track, but those are permanent modifications to your car, which I think is interesting because again when you're driving going by these little chunks of road so fast you'll just see like a tire fly by you. you're like oh i have to remember next time that the tire was over there because you're ne- you never get time to to like set up for it unless you just remember that it's there next time you go around or accidentally hit it yeah yeah i'm, I'm glad you said that because yep. i thought it was just me maybe i just suck at this game and i never never get to them in time when i actually first see them 
Nope. Another interesting thing is when you when you do collect the full Nintendo and you upgrade your car, everybody else upgrades with you. So it's really kind of a downgrade because your car was ripping fast and you had most of the upgrades and then you upgrade your car, you lose all your advantages over your, your opponents because now they're all in vans, <laughs> um, which was difficult. But ultimately, I enjoyed this a lot more than I ever have in the past. Look at that. He just won going backwards. Um, Every time you win, you go to a trophy room and see your score and your trophies. Hopefully, they're all gold, but you might have some bronze ones in there, some silver. Um, Of course, if you don't, you're never going to have no trophy because if you get fourth or lower, you're you're out of the game. Um, But I think it is a game that uh, is going to give you more... Uh, reward for memorization than skill per se. But then I think that's that's true of a lot of top-down races, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then, of course, I, I never did figure out, I'm sure there was a way, you probably just read it and I didn't hear it, but you either have missiles or bombs that go behind you and I can never figure out how to select which one I had. So I was always just hitting the button when people went in front of me hoping that I had a missile ready to go. Yeah. Um, that always kind of felt cheap, but it worked every time. You'd race the whole race, and then they'd all pass you. And right towards the end, you'd just shoot them all, and you'd win. <laughs> yeah, so the, so the bottom bottom uh, right indicator shows you you've either got missiles or bombs. Yep. But how do you switch? I think it's just when you co- when you collect them, isn't it? It just changes between. Maybe that's them. it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't think you can switch between them. Could be wrong. So, which would make it hard if you are. Um, in front and you have missiles and everyone passes you and then right then you grab a bunch of bombs you're like shoot i have no way to attack them but uh i'll make it i'll admit to you guys i never use the weapons (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i got i don't know i want to say i got about 20 levels in what do you say there was like 32 or something yeah yeah. <clears throat> I think I got to I think I got to level 11 or 12 was the max I got to. Yeah, I'm looking I at the some, somewhere in between you guys. I think I got probably about uh, 18, 19 in something like that, I think. Yeah, I got the second car but I never got this third one which actually looks kind of like an Austin Mini. <laughs> but yeah. All right, so out of I don't know what's what's RC related here. Uh, voltages on the batteries. There we go. Yeah. Out of nine volts. Out of nine volts. Nine okay. volts. Yeah. What are you going to give this one? You can use you know points. You know something point something. Yeah. Um. I will. I'll. I'll give this a seven point four. Seven point four out of nine. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go 7.5. Oh. Just to round it off. (laughs) I will give it... Maybe I should do 7.6. There you go. (laughs) I'll give it a 6.8. 6.8 volts. Okay. Yep. All right. So that is RC Pro-Am in the books. How about RC Grand Prix? Yeah. RC Grand Prix by Sega and Absolute Entertainment was released in 1990. Uh, it was designed by Scott Marshall and Dan Kitchen. Uh, the music was by Scott Marshall. Uh, RC Grand Prix was Sega's answer to RC Pro-Am. It was released, I think, on a 
two megabyte cartridge, I think it was, uh, for the Sega Master System, uh, selling out in the UK for £29.99. pence. There was also a Game Gear version release. Ooh. So, Eric, you'll be able to play oh. Game Gear. Wow, okay. Um, as with the uh, expected parallels with uh, RC Grand Prix and RC Prime, you control an RC car in a kind of top-down isometric-style course. Uh, the view and the look of the game on this one is, for me, well, I say me personally, but obviously a lot of people say um, it's not quite on par with its Nintendo rival. Uh, however, it's still playable. Um, you race a single make, uh, so it's all the same car in this one, uh, off-road buggies. The idea of the game is to race three opposition, opposition cars controlled by the CPU. You can play up to four players, uh, but it's one player at a time, so it's not four players. I did try that, yeah. I saw that, yeah. Yeah. Um, you can add enhancements to your car uh, by collecting money for your position at the end of the race. There is also a timer, and if you complete the race within with seconds left on the timer, you get extra money to purchase upgrades in the shop. Uh, one of the odd mechanics in this game is that it will beep at you when it's the ideal time to head into mm -hmm. the corner. Um, also, a differing factor in this game, as opposed to RC Pro-Am, is that they have factored in your battery life. Um, typically, on the second race, your battery loses charge and slows you down. Not enough to cause major issues, but does slow you down nonetheless. Uh, from the shop, you can get the following items to increase your car's performance. So you can get uh, three different levels of motor. So you've got high torque, high speed and ultra. You can get improved or ultra tires, improved or ultra suspension. You can get uh, gears, which is high torque, high speed and ultra. And you can get high current and ultra batteries. And normally I would go with the high current battery first. Um as my first power-up. The in-game graphics are just fine for the Master System. There are some nice little tunes in the game. Uh, Ace Magazine in issue 34 gave it a ranking of 650 out of 1,000, um, saying the racing is great fun and the challenge of negotiating an RC vehicle around sharp bends at high speed is accurately difficult. <laughs> 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 uh, nevertheless yeah it's difficult to get the impression that rc grand prix represents a missed opportunity and i think they were kind of like referencing uh missing out putting in some of the dynamics that they had in rc prime with like uh, the missiles and bombs and that sort of element to it uh cody what did you think of this one so i i so first of all this game does a much better job of selling the fact they're rc cars they look like rc cars there's no trees next to the course there's big cones which are much larger than the car and now that eric said it you can see the gigantic people when you're at the top of the screen with their controllers getting all excited so i actually prefer the look of this one i think the graphics are better i know you don't agree and it sounds like no one else does but this looks more like i'm looking at what i'm supposed to be looking at to me um I love the fact that you can make money and spend money in between. I've always loved that progression in top-down racers like Super Off-Road, which is, uh, has had previously been my favorite 8-bit racer. Um, the, what wasn't really explained there, so there's a ton of 
different, very different track layouts. But when you actually play them, I believe it's one huge layout that they just block off certain parts of it. So really, every race is the exact same. Um, Just, you know, it starts with literally a square, which when you look at a square in isometric, it's, you know, two, two perfect rows sideways, and then the vertical rows go kind of at an angle, an isometric angle, if that makes sense, like a rhombus. Um, and the, I would have to say the main thing that this game is buggy. And I don't mean that in a, a funny motor vehicle term. Um, <clears throat> uh, I like the beeps that helped you turn and everything. But for the most part, when I was behind, what helped me catch up is the enemy the AI would just get stuck in a wall and just sit there. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what happened to me many, many, many times. They just get stuck on the road like they took the turn too early and they just sit there. Yep. That, that also helped, but it also hinders because a lot of the time you come around at a corner and they're just stuck in the middle of the track and you, you just hit into them. It's just so frustrating. And, and right. you're, you, yeah, in the, a fraction of a second, you'd be like, oh, great, they're stuck. Shoot, I hit them. Great, now I'm stuck and they're free. And they took off again. Um, but I, actually, I, did, I did get into it on the lower levels. Now, my ultimate issue with the game i was really enjoying it and actually like you know even though there's buggy i was able to really enjoy this one i don't care that there was no weapons i actually preferred there not be weapons um but what happened when i saved up some money i bought the what was the highest end engine uh the ultra the ultra i don't know if you've got to the point where you bought that i just saved money and bought that like outright i bought some good tires and then i bought the ultra engine it's insanely fast to the point where you just are holding the button and hitting walls, then turning, then hitting the next wall, then turning, then hitting the next. Like, it's not controllable. There's no way. And and at that point, you win that race hands down so easily. The very next race, to make it even, all your competitors now have that upgrade. And they're not hitting walls every time like you are. They just magically can make the corners, and then it's impossible. Yeah. So it's a broken game. <laughs> eric thoughts yeah so i agree with you the graphics i mean the 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 sprites for the vehicles are smaller so there it gives the illusion that there's more real estate but the roads are more narrow especially on the down slope on the isometric ism if i if i if i I coined a new phrase yeah um so like when the roads are straight across, they look wider, but then they, they go into this angle and they're very, very thin. So you end up bouncing along uh, off the walls quite a bit um, in this one. While I usually like the idea of getting money and buying your upgrades, for some reason it worked better for me in the Pro-Am one where you just you do pickups that accumulate your, your, there's less to think about. It's almost like a more arcade style game. Um, so I, I don't know why I just, it didn't, I, I didn't appreciate the, the collecting money and trying to do that. Um, I didn't like the timer of course, because I'm Eric. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the, the, and and I quickly ran into the same glitch you're talking about where the enemies would get stuck in certain areas and then you'd go around the track and then hit them on the way back down. But I found that it was often the only way I was going to win a race was because of the glitch. Yeah. 
because they get they get stuck and then I'd go by them and I'd be careful not to hit them and then I'd win because they glitched out not because I was a better racer. Um so I don't know there there's a couple of things to like but I think in this one for me at least there's more things not to like in this one. So Tim what did you what did you think? I know you had the the, the statistics and the the gameplay but what did you think of this one playing I it? I think you pretty much hit hit all my points on the head. Um it's it's a, you know th- there's some fun to be had here let's let's not forget that it, it can be quite yes. a fun little game um, yep. but if you if you're doing a comparison with the two and um the issues that i found is is like like you said is just trying to get that sweet spot on the controller each time when you turn a corner to go down the the, the straight away as you guys call it yeah um it's it just doesn't you just end up bouncing off of things and and you you can you can just about time it with the beep um which gets you into the corner but uh, if you if you don't time it right you're always go- bouncing off of the off of the corner and it's slowing you down and it, it just gets a little bit frustrating um so yeah it's 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 a fine game there's there's you know it, there's some fun to be had at it but i for me personally i don't think it kind of like has that same control and flow that you do on rc pro yeah i think for for kids like me that came off of games like uh racing destruction set and uh, rock and roll racing if you got any either of these games you'd be like whoa this is amazing like there it would there would be fun to have in both of them um but i i think ultimately the for me at least the rc pro-am one is a little bit better yeah. So so it's funny the the biggest break in, for the game for me was how fast the engine is and how yep. the very next race after you cream them all the other guys have that same speed. So I think there's a key to this game which I just watched in this long play here which is you don't buy the upgrade until the very last race and then you you were much faster than everybody. He just creamed them all and then he became the world champion. So I think yep. there's a strategy to upgrading knowing the upgrade that strategy. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, anyways. Cool. That okay. is Grand Prix. Grand Prix, or Priz, as we say. RC Grand Prix. So out of nine volts, what are we going to give this one? Uh, I'm going to give this five volts. Five volts for Tim. How about you, Cody? So I did 6.8 on the other one. I really yeah. wanted to like this one more than the other, and all the premise and everything it, it did... I want. I, I still think it should be the better game, but the execution just didn't work out, which is a bummer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, yeah. Five point four. I'm gonna give this one probably. Uh, I'm gonna have to be with Tim. I think I'm gonna do an even five point oh. So, so anyway, from, I don't really have to do the math because we have a clear winner here. We so. Do. Yeah, the clear for me, the clear RP. winner is if you want to play an 8-bit racing game, play Super Off-Road on the NES. <laughs> exactly. Actually, uh, I... I don't know. I don't know. I, I, me, personally, RC Pro-Am all the time. I love you, you love it? Okay. I, have either of you played RC Pro-Am 2? Uh, yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Game, and there's also a Genesis version or a Mega Drive version as well. Okay. I'll, I'll have to give them a try. I'll have to give them a try. Yeah definitely yeah. worth a try. I've, I've always loved off-road, super off-road, and then later, I just recently, you know, a couple of years ago, found out about uh, was Ivan Ironman Stewart's IndyCar Heat, 
which is yeah. which is right up there as well. So those are my those are my eight bit racing games. But um, I think that's why I gave RC Pro-Am a lower score than you guys. Is although I enjoyed it and I liked what it did, I don't think I'll go back to it. Mm. So yeah. it's fair. Yeah. But I'm not going back to this one either. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've got my fun out of it. We're done. <laughs> Simple um, enough, oh, guys. And, and also, I did. I have got the original of RC Grand Prix as well. Oh, nice. See, it's a better looking case. It Actually, no, they're, they're both pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Cool. All right. So uh, all I know next month is tim you i don't think you picked out the games yet but we're playing some uh billiards and or snooker type games is that correct snooker snooker is that going to be for the six good games no Uh, this is going to be a battle oh that's going to be a battle yeah 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 and uh, tim's going to pick those we'll we'll do battle of the bulls (laughs) oh i like it battle of the bulls but uh so tim's going to pick that though right yep i'll pick those that's on me all right. And then uh, the six good games, we'll have to figure that out, huh? Sounds like it. All right. We'll figure that out. All Next right. Time. That's an episode. That's an April. Um, first April in a while without masks. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we'll see you guys in March April, May. Yep. And it's coming up fast. <laughs> this, this one's going to sneak up on us, too. <laughs> so let's get playing some games and get ready for the next episode of Pixel Guide In. But yep. until then, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to go, to go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D U H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at Oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixel guide in. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>